if if they bring her back, then it's just kind of a point where everyone watching will be like, okay, so can anyone stay dead on this show? What's going on? Robin. <laughs> Sonia Mara <Yeah>. time. Sonia <laughs> Mara time. Welcome to another episode of the Keeg Talks. Today, the Keeg Talks, the boys, season three. I'm your host, Dimitri Pereira, and uh, we're going to talk about this recent season of the boys, that one superhero show that's on Amazon Prime Video uh, that's bringing people to Amazon Prime Video. Uh, I can't do this alone. I'm not going to talk about the boys season three just alone. I could do that on TikTok if I really wanted to. No, instead, I have two awesome guests, one who's been here before, one who hasn't, uh, but I'm looking forward to both of them. First, one who has, we got Terrell theories by t terrell how you doing today i'm doing very good i am struggling through a heat wave but other than that i'm surviving do you do you drink tea during a heat wave or is it too hot uh i drink an iced tea okay during the heat wave um i bet it takes really long to make uh, a homemade iced tea so really what i mean by that is i order a refresher from starbucks and that <laughs> like usually counts in my mind yeah yeah are you are you a hot tea guy though I prefer a hot tea for sure, but like I, I, even I know the science would not work in my favor there. They would, yeah. It might kill me, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> so I've only had ice-based beverages the last like week. That's fair. That's fair. Sometimes it's like really hot here and I'll go to like Starbucks or whatever and I'll, I'll be like, oh yeah, can I have a mocha? And they're like, it was, it's an ice mocha, right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I forgot. <laughs> yes, ice mocha. Great. Hot mocha. Uh, maybe another day. Yeah, I'm sometimes if, it, if, it, if it's a, a, a brisk, you know, morning, well, you know it's hot later in the day, but in the morning's a little bit chilly, you don't mind a little, a, a hot one, but other than that, I'm like, I, I think we both know I want ice in this right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, you, it's it's unspoken. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Uh, I'm glad to have you, T. Um, thank you. I know that it's nighttime over there, so thanks for, uh, for being here, taking yeah, some no time worries. out of your night. It's summer, so no one told the sun that it's nighttime. It still feels like it's still in the middle of the afternoon right now. Wait, what time is sundown for you? Like, closer to nine. I feel like it's probably, we're probably venturing sunset. Time. I can't really see outside right now because I've got every single blind in my house shut. But I can yeah. see through the cracks, and it looks pretty bright outside right now. So I feel like the sun's going to set in, like, half an hour or so, maybe 45 minutes. That's crazy. Good. Okay. Even then, just barely. Yeah, usually about nine right, right now. Okay. All right. Um... That I, I forgot that, yeah, you're a little bit, you know, north. So things yeah. are going to be a little bit more extreme. Okay. Yeah. See, we're learning all sorts of things. People came here for the boys season three talk. Now we're talking about just like geography. Is that what this counts as? Yeah. I was so bad at it in school. So it's nice for it's come full circle. Yeah. 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 <laughs> now you're the smart one. And I'm yeah. just like, oh, tell me more. Take that, Mr. Wilcox. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that just brings up a lot of questions, but I feel like it'll derail everything. I want to know all your teachers and whether they appreciate who you are now or not. Um, no. <laughs> uh, we also have a newcomer to the show, but awesome TikToker. We got Zara Zahava. Zara, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. It's been kind of a lazy day, but yeah. that's always some nice. That's always nice. What's the, what's the weather out where you're at? 
Um, it's like 80, 85. So not bad. Where I am, we get very big extremes. Next week is going to be, I think, like 95 all week. So I'll enjoy the like 80, 85 while it's here. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Does it get really hot during the summer? Is that how it works? Yeah. Yeah, okay. it gets very hot and humid and then freezing and feet of snow in this in the winter. We really get the worst of both worlds here. That's 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 on your state sign. Yeah. <laughs> it's like now entering worst of both worlds. Um, I'm glad to have both of you here to talk about the boys season three. I uh, right now for anyone out there, uh, it may be a little early for I mean, at least in California, where I'm at for Californians to wake up and and watch this at noon. But um, we are live streaming to volume.com twitch.tv and youtube.com so any of those slash the keeg show and that's where we're at um but uh if you're listening to us you're listening to our podcast and that's wherever you get your podcast from apple Podcasts, google play soundcloud spotify iHeartRadio. um where when did you guys start watching the boys because this is boys season three and i don't know if anyone knew about the boys comic before the boys show came out but i personally hate the comic and i continue to hate the comic <laughs> and i keep trying i had given up now but there was a time where i kept trying to read the comic and get as far as i could before i had to stop and then if i stopped it'd be like a year later i would start back at the beginning and try to read a little bit further and stop and I think I've gotten about like two thirds of the way and I hate myself for it because um, <laughs> not for not finishing it, but for even starting it in the first place, because I hate the boys comic. But how did you guys get into the boys? Uh, I can start. Yeah. Um, so um, I found it in potentially the more embarrassing way, which is that I unfortunately still actively care about the TV show Supernatural. <laughs> Um, and it's by the, Eric Kripke, uh, who created Supernatural, also oh. created this show. Okay. Um, so uh, he was the showrunner for the first five seasons of Supernatural, and then he left and started doing this. Mm. Um, and I started hearing right when the first couple episodes of season two dropped, I started hearing a lot of people on like online being like, wait, his new show is actually really good. Um, it is like, if you, and I kept hearing the recommendation, like, if you like Supernatural, you're going to love this. Um, so I went in being like, you know what, I'll give it a try. Who knows? Um, and then I absolutely fell in love with it. So I think that was around, uh, September, 2020 was when hmm. season two came out. Um, so I have not looked at the comics. It's something that I've always been like, I'll probably get around to that at some point, And I just haven't. Um, but I went into it with like kind of middle expectations being like, maybe it'll just be, maybe I'll like it. Maybe it's something I'll only watch because it was created by the person who liked Supernatural. And I was like so pleasantly surprised at mm -hmm. like just how quality it is. And honestly, like it's it's much better than Supernatural. I'm willing to admit it. <laughs> um, um, and then then they hired Jensen Ackles who it was, is from Supernatural. And that also, I was very excited because I love him. Um, but I also, anytime I say that, I feel like people are like, oh, so do you only like it because of Supernatural? And I always feel the need to be like, I promise you, I, it's, an, it's an amazing show. I would like it even if they hadn't brought him on uh, and even if I had found it some other way. I didn't realize that the showrunner on this was the showrunner from Supernatural. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do the first, like Jensen, Jensen Ackles comes in in season three. Are there Supernatural stuff like related like character casting 
or whatever in season um, one? Not in season one, but in season three, there's also Robert Singer, like the the guy running for president. Uh, mm. His character, he's also from Supernatural, and his character on that show is also called Robert Singer. Um, and oh. like the person who plays Young Gunpowder was an actor on Supernatural. Like if you watch Supernatural, there's definitely some Supernatural Easter eggs throughout season three. Okay, all right. Hmm. The weird Supernatural boys pipeline. I would never have thought. <laughs> but fair. Okay. Uh, T, how'd you get? How'd you get started? Well, I'd like to say that I also really love Supernatural. I didn't know that it was Eric Kripke when I first went into the show. Yeah. Um, like when I first into the, I kind of, I was very much, I think I just saw an ad online and people were talking about it. And I was like, oh, this show looks kind of good, I guess. It, it was right before, it was, it came out in the era where I didn't have like, ev- what I call evil Superman fatigue. Yeah. Like Homeland, I think Homelander was like the last one. Everything that came afterwards, I was like, why is this another evil Superman thing? Like Omni-Man and all the rest of those guys kept on doing um so i was still very much like okay with the concept yeah uh, right when it first came out um learning that it was eric kripke did very much like put like help me get to continue it because i i also a big supernatural fan um, and I, I did stick it out also um all 15 years <laughs> did you really so, yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. The, my, my, my cw isms like faded over time but i say the the three CW shows I think I watched from beginning to end without fail because I was committed to them was Smallville, Arrow, and Supernatural. And a lot of those actors crossed over with each other. I think Jensen Ackles connects them all actually. <laughs> he was in yeah. Smallville too. Um, so At yeah, least so that, there are three the... different universes. Uh, the Arrowverse yeah. reuses the same actors for multiple roles sometimes. <laughs> yeah. When they, when they run out of stuff, they just get... Um, when there's no one people. else left in Vancouver... They're like, yeah. we got to reuse like Tom, all our Vancouver people again. Yeah, Tom Cavanaugh, Grant Gustin, <laughs> you know what to do. Yeah. Get back in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, Supernatural then, also did that in the same show. It'd be like, this person was cast in season two. No one will notice if they're also a different character in season 13. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. But I don't, okay, they were, they were a kid in season two, and now they're a grown up in, in season 13, so no one cares. It's fine. Right. A different person. People get on the MCU for like recast or like not recasting, but like double casting sometimes because it's very few and far between. Like it's like Star-Lord's mom was yeah. in Captain America, Captain America. Uh, and, and whatnot. And people get on the MCU's case for that. if it's a couple of things. But then you look at the Arrowverse or <laughs> Zara's saying like in Supernatural, it just as one show. How does that happen? I don't even know. I mean, the MCU, I, my, I, I like to justify the Star-Lord's mom thing as that uh, Steve is actually se- secretly Star-Lord's like, great-grandfather or something. And that was actually like his grandmother. And that's why she looked the same. Because like they, 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 have, they have like a, a romantic glance. So in my, in my head, in my head canon, Steve slept with her. And that's how the quills came to be. Are you, are you guys <laughs> big into head canon? Or are you just like... No, but that's, my, that's <laughs> okay. how I justify it without going insane. Okay. Uh, at least, at least in uh, in Spider Man Homecoming, they they have the principal played by the same actor who's in the Howling Commandos in Captain America, but that's because he's the grandson, or I think I think grandson. Um, yes, but they, but they also have Mr. Harrington, who actually was an Incredible Hulk, um, and I don't think they were intended for him to be the same. It's the same actor; he's like a, a side character in Incredible it's, Hulk. Uh, what's his name? Um, Martin Starr. Martin Starr. Martin Starr. Yeah. yeah, he was like he was like a, it was before he kind of was big. He was like in the minor role in yeah. Incredible Hulk, and then like now he's Mr. Harrington. I think it was like after they were doing press for both, they were like, 
Ah oh, crap, we already used him. I think Kevin Feige was like, <laughs> it's the same guy. We never named him in Hulk. That's yeah, true. he was a he was a lab <laughs> assistant and now he's teaching. That makes sense. Yeah. I I have a buddy that lives up in Vancouver uh that's been three characters in the Arrowverse. Um <laughs> one character was just this background security guard on Arrow, and then the second one was a bad guy hitman on Batwoman. And the third, he was in like three episodes of Superman and Lois running for mayor of Smallville. So I feel like it's increased over time, but to the point where like anyone watching, you don't even have to watch that first one, but Batwoman and Superman and Lois, you'd be like, that guy was the hitman. Like he was literally the, the act three guy in an episode. So shout out to, uh, shout out to Nate. Um, <laughs> uh, what was I saying? Where where was my question going with this? Um, uh, how we got into oh oh supernatural oh I think I got into it because I knew that like Seth Rogen was involved and like the mm. boys had always been in talks to get developed because all these like random side comic that weren't DC and Marvel are always up for grabs right so it's like oh okay there I think this Dynamite comics um was up for grabs and so. Seth Rogen was producing a lot of like random superhero related content like Green Hornet, you know, however many years ago. And then this came around and I think he's, is he a producer on this? He had, I, yeah. And then he's a producer on Invincible as well, right? Yeah. So and like he's just both. producing everything um, and good for him. I have mad respect for Seth Rogen. Um, but I, like I said, I hated the comics. So when this, show came out i was not excited for it and obviously the trailer it didn't didn't uh hide the fact that there was just going to be exploding bodies everywhere like mm. the trailer was like yeah that's just what we're gonna do we're gonna explode people um and i gave it a couple weeks before it came out i'm like i don't know whether i want to watch this because the comic is so bad uh but then people said it was smart and like it was, you know, irreverent. And I was like, okay, maybe I'll I'll go into the first episode like this. I also get scared easily. That's also a thing of mine. Um, so that doesn't help. But first season was good. And then I liked second season, uh, uh, especially the Stormfront stuff, because uh, Aya Cash is great. And then we're at this season. Um, did you guys like first, second, or second season better? Not then third, but just to each other. Mm, I think I preferred the first season to the second season, Mar just marginally. I think because everything was the, the novelty of it was all quite not you know new ish. Like, not to say that no one's done the whole evil Justice League plot before, but like it, to the degree that they went and how like grounded, I guess they took it. I thought it was all very fresh, and then by season two. It, not say it felt, yeah, it kind of felt like sometimes it felt like we ever rehashed it, kind of just replaced Homelander's sort of role in the story with Stormfront and just kind of still did the same. Like it felt kind of the same, not in a bad way, but a lot of the, the tropes of the episodes were more or less the same. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really feel like I was watching a dip, like, you know, a different story. There wasn't much that like develops beyond maybe, you know, the Butcher, Becca part of the story. Mm -hmm. um, but outside of that, like, yeah, yeah, I'd say, I'd say one. Just I think one. What, there was more surprises. One by by two, I, I kind of knew what I was expecting. So I was like, ah, well, it, she got burned up. I guess and I'm, I'm used to it. <laughs> one, someone gets like exploded from the arse. I'm like, whoa, like I was, <laughs> you know, that was that's a, a, true. A that did happen. 
Sometimes I forget about what happened in season one. I've just been, I've been rewatching like the past week. I just started rewatching season one with my dad. Yeah. Um, and I think it reminded me how much, just like how much I liked it. I think that season one had a level of subtlety that the next two seasons don't. And I recognize sometimes you do need to be like very in your face, specifically with things like this, where it's like a political allegory that people are missing. Yeah. A lot of people mm. did not understand the political allegory behind this until season three. If you look through like the reviews on Amazon, season one and two were both like five stars all the way. And then season three has a lot of bad reviews from people who are like, oh my God, they suddenly got political. And it's like, so I recognize that the fact that to a certain extent they had to get even more in your face with the politics because yeah. people were missing it. But I do kind of miss the subtlety of season one where it was still very relevant and still like they weren't holding back, but they did so in a way that was like a little less preachy. Yeah. 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 I feel like this like season three compared to, compared to season one where it was like, you know, the, the heroes were kind of an allegory for celebrities, but then also for what was kind of like the government. Like there was different ways you can interpret it. Season three, it was like Homelander is Donald Trump, and we're, we're not even yeah. being around the bush at this time. He's just, he's just Trump. Uh, I mean, it's 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 interesting because, like, yeah, number or season one did deal with like capitalism and like corporate stuff and whatnot, and then season two comes around and Stormfront pops up, and uh, some people didn't know even the name of Storm, like what the name of Stormfront is, but like. I saw it coming from uh, like the get go because there used to be a white supremacist website called Stormfront. Uh, and I remember that from when I was a, I want to say when I was a kid, but I, when I was on the internet, um, I looked into that message board just to be like, how bad could these people be? They're very fucking bad. They are <laughs> horrible, horrible goddamn people. And then I had a friend being like, why are you just going on that? I was like, I just want to like, how does, how do they think? It's really bad. Um, my username, my username for it was proud to be pale. Oh no! <laughs> and I went on it because I was on a comic book website. Uh, I was on a comic book message board at the time, like a pretty big comic book message board, and everybody was like pretty cool there. Uh, and then they were like, oh, yeah, there's this one, like, website out there that, like, they're hopping onto here and, like, starting shit. And I'm like, I wonder what, what, I don't know. It was fucking bonkers. Anyway, um, so I knew the name Stormfront. It was really bad. So I was like, okay, I see that twist coming. But I know there's a lot of people who watched it being like, oh, she seems cool. Oh, that came out of nowhere. And for me, I'm like, it didn't come out of nowhere. I literally saw that. I mean, like, her, her twist, I thought, was like... I mean, you kind of could tell, all right, there's going to be an evil twist of her. She seems too good. Like, anyone on the seven in general was always like, well, let's just wait for it to turn out to be evil. Like, I, that was kind of the running trend. So yeah. with her, it was like, I wonder how bad she can be. Like, I, so I didn't know about the Stormfront thing. Um, so her being, like, just full-on racist, I didn't expect. But I think I like the way that they did it. I like how the boys do the whole let's release two or three episodes at once situation. Yeah. Because they, they saved the big reveal to, like, the end of episode three. Yeah. You're watching, you're like, I know I don't like Stormfront. Like, she's cool, but I know that I'm probably, I'm probably not going to like this character. And then I don't remember what racist remark she says to Kimiko and her brother. Her brother, and you're just like... Okay, <laughs> full on white supremacist. Got it. Yeah, got it. I'm cool. <laughs> um, I, 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 I was watching her well. with like a magnifying glass the whole time, <laughs> trying to like find little things. I'm like, oh, 
I don't even need the magnifying glass anymore. Cool. But it's interesting because people, but like even after that, they were like, I mean, she's kind of racist, but I wouldn't call her a Nazi. And then later on, you find out she was an actual Nazi. And you're like, <laughs> I mean, at this point, how do you get surprised by that? <laughs> she wasn't after that. After episode three, those salty was out the window. Every like side glance she gave to like A Train and and, uh, and Maeve and stuff like that, it was like, okay, she just hates everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Zara, did you have something to say? Yeah, I mean, I also, so I was not super surprised by the Nazi thing, but also just in part because I will say comics, I mean, movies in general, honestly now, but comics love to be like, how do we make it clear this person's bad? We're going to make them a literal Nazi. You mm. also see like, like Hydra is the same thing where like, they're very, like, they're not like, it, it's, it's kind of an easy, t- it's an easy way for TV shows to be like, this person is irredeemable is they're like, well, we can't figure out a better way. So let's just make them a literal Nazi. So I yeah. kind of saw it coming just in part because I've seen it so many other times where they're like, we need to know, we need everyone on the same page. This person's bad. Might as well make them a Nazi. No what she says it herself. She's like, people like what I have to say. They just hate the word Nazi. And it's like, uh, then Homelander kind of goes on the whole third season to kind of prove her point where he's, mm-hmm. he's also spewing some Nazi rhetoric and then getting away with it because he's not calling it him being a Nazi. He's calling it patriot, like patriotism. Yeah. Um, so I did see it coming just because people love to either. And even if they don't say the word Nazi, like so many other types of like shows and comics and movies will use like Nazi symbolism and imagery to be like, well, we're not going to call them a Nazi, but their uniforms look exactly like Nazis. So put two and two together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Harry Potter is a big one, you know, uh, that stands out uh, to me. Like Star Wars and the Empire. Or Star Wars and the Empire. Like the uh, yeah. I feel like they half backed away from that recently. Uh, in like the sequel trilogy, I think they kind of they, they they pivoted a little bit, but like I think the original trilogy was fairly on the nose. Yeah. Um, I think by like what was it by Jedi? I think they kind of switched it to be like, oh no, well we're not trying to say that Vader is Hitler. That whoa, let's we kind of <laughs> backtrack the right towards the end. They were like, no, nah, that's more that's more Palpatine. It's not Vader. We promise. Yeah. Um, because I guess they must have realized Vader was becoming a cool. People were liking Vader, and they were like, oh, that's not what we wanted. Uh, <laughs> so he's not. He's not. He's not the bad guy anymore. Don't worry. I it, it's interesting because we're we're all on TikTok. Um, and by the way, uh, I see Comic Hero North Coast out there in our chat on YouTube. Uh wanted to say what's up um but uh uh what was i saying oh we're all on tiktok do we feel like a lot of people lack comprehension because it seems to blindside a lot of people and then they deny they deny and deny and then we have to be like oh yeah falcon and winter soldier is about race and they're like no 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 and then it's like yeah and then the show actually has to like come out and say like they're like spoon feed it. And then they were like, this is getting too preachy. And it's like, it wouldn't be too preachy if you understood it from the get-go. They wouldn't feel like they would have to spoon feed you. I, I find that interesting because I, I was actually thinking about this today with um with Ms. Marvel. So I was like thinking of what I, like, what I was going to say in like my review and stuff. Um, and what I find interesting about Ms. Marvel in comparison to say Falcon and the Winter Soldier, they both deal with, you know, not, not, not the clandestine, but more so like damage control. They deal with some sort of authority figure or like, you know, big group that seem like they're supposed to be the good guy, but actually have like a spearhead who is pretty much an allegory for racism. No. Like, you know, Diva is very much like, ah, we need to get them because they're, you know, they, they, they come, they're in a mosque. So we have to attack the mosque and be disrespectful and all of that stuff. I remember what line she's in the finale, but it was something along the lines of like, oh, this is what happens when the wrong people get powers. And then one guy next to us was like, 
what do you mean by wrong people? And she was like, oh, uh, teenagers, the teenagers is what I meant. Right. Yeah, yeah, not, <laughs> definitely not minorities. Um, yeah. But I think they, they made it more, like subtle to a degree, like enough that you can read it and be like, oh, okay, she's racist and Cleary isn't racist. That was very like, that was an easy divide to make if you have the comprehension. But I'm, I'm surprised not a lot of people have like, I guess talked about that online. I, I mean, I know I haven't even brought up the concept of, of racism in the show in, in any of my content yet, just because I've, I've got really, I thought to go there um but I, I feel like if I did there'd be a lot of like oh, what are you talking about she's just trying to clean up New Jersey she's not racist she's doing the job right uh Stranger Things TikTok has that same thing where people will bring up a character as racist they'll be like no mm. Billy's not racist and it's like were we not watching the same show, same show. <laughs> and in a way we're yeah. not right no and I, I also and it, think that like Sometimes when this stuff comes up in something like Stranger Things, which is kind of more like PG-13, so they can't say things in the same way that something like the boys can be so like blatantly racist when they want to make it clear that a character is racist. Like, mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are more willing to dismiss it because they can't say it outright. So they have to, they're doing their best to, to, to portray these characters as like racist in a way that won't get the show like rated R, like when you're working with those. And it's like, just because they can't be as blunt with it doesn't mean it's not there. It just means that you need to be more critical. And yeah. I don't know, I've always, when it comes to critical thinking, I feel like that that meme where it's like, the curtains are blue, what the teacher thinks it means, like it means about sadness and depression. And it's like what the author meant, they're just blue. I feel like that meme that always circulates has done like irreparable damage to people's media literacy because so yes. many people are- so many people are like, no, you are reading too much into it. Anytime you do like critical analysis, as if TV shows do not have hundreds of people working on the scripting and the lighting and the costuming and the props to, to portray a specific message that sometimes mm -hmm. they can't just spoon feed to you. Right. Um, like Stormfront's sure. belt. It's like an Iron Eagle, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And it's like, that's on purpose. It wasn't just, eagles are cool, dude. <laughs> like let's put an eagle on 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 uh her belt um i think it ties in with what kind of zara was saying uh where you have to like pe make people literal nazis or like a very very like blatant allegory for nazis and i think that's it's the reason why it's like people are like well like i can't be racist because i'm not a nazi i can't be racist because that to me is like level 10 racist and it's like, well, there's a whole spectrum of it. And a lot of these characters are. And what I think the boys does in the comics, Garth Ennis does not treat anyone right. But like he is racist and misogynist as a writer, dare I say, like, so mm. you see it in the writing in the boys. I don't see it from the creators and the creators are making a blatant attempt to be like, these like the way they treat mother's milk or mm in the comics is bad and just not yeah. he's not a well-written character uh and he's treated like shit and so yeah that's just an example or annie in the in the comics is annie annie's the biggest culprit for me uh like the way compared to how she is in the comics like to how she is in the show it is the, the difference is ridiculous i mean like mm as well just because like he's just he actually has an arc in the show um, from beginning to end but Annie is just like it's absurd the the level of like 
it, it's almost like mis- misogyny with like a, a curtain over it because they're like, oh, Annie's the character that like things happen to her and like, oh, like, you know, Annie fighting against this is why she's so cool and whatever. So like, yeah, but you're drawing her in like the skimpiest bikini and you're exploiting her for the sake of this, this message. Whereas in the show, things are happening or things are trying to happen to her, I guess, but then her character is very actively stopping the things from happening. Like you yep. want her to wear this crappy costume. She's like, absolutely not get out of my face. You want someone to abuse her, she's like, absolutely not. Whereas in the comics, these things just full on happen to her, and she's like, goes through emotional turmoil the entire time. It's like they're doing it to get shock value. But what I'm seeing when I'm reading it is like, so why are they why are they drawing the, our, our main female protagonist naked so frequently? Like it's really uncomfortable. And they design her body really like in the same in those same like hyper sexualized proportions a lot of the times as well, compared yeah. to how they um I don't remember the actor's name, compared to how they, they portray. Annie in the show, she makes sure that she wears like fully, like mostly fully covered uh, outfits. Yeah. Um, any anything anything that hypersexually, anything that's sexual that relates to her is usually handled handled in a tasteful way, like a sex scene with her and Huey. It's just a regular sex scene and not just hyper. Like she's not like a you know a porn star, effectively. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, the comics are are shock value hidden under satire. It's not satirical because there's no point other than. Garth Ennis hates superheroes and he thinks that power just corrupts everybody. So everybody just does whatever they want. And that's just the point of the comic versus the show where like people are, there are good people on the show. Yeah. Um, and Maeve so much better on the show than she is in the comics. Well, um, Maeve is just like in the comics, Maeve turns to Annie and goes, eh, that happens, whatever, you know, that is what it is. Don't talk to me. Um, and so I can't stress enough. Don't read the comics. <laughs> uh, real quick, uh, as we talk about season three, I want to know everybody's uh, kind of like out of 10, what do you think about season three? And then, oh, uh, how it ranks. I want to know your season rankings, like one, two, and three, and how that compares. Uh, Zara? I think I would probably give it like a seven out of 10. There were a lot of things that I really liked. um, But the big thing that holds me back is that there was a lot of things about the way they treated black noir that like really just like, I know we were talking about how like you don't feel there's much racism coming like from the writing room on Mm. the TV show, which did exist in the comics. Mm. I feel like potentially the treatment of noir kind of, kind of unintentionally so, but I feel like, they would not have treated like a white a white superhero that same way. Yeah. Um, and I just, the, the way they treated his entire plot line this season really bothered me, which is why I think that while I did really like the season overall, I think my ranking would just be season one, then season two, then season three. Oh, is, is your enjoyment getting, like, do you feel like you're going to lose enjoyment in season four, season five? Like, you just think it's kind of going down? I think. I don't like I don't think that it's actually going downhill personally like I just think it's it's hard because I do really enjoy all three seasons but I just think that like if they had changed that one plot line then I think that I would have liked season three better than season two mm-hmm. but I think that like the way they went about his whole storyline this season rubbed me the wrong way to the extent where like I can't in good conscience say that it is better than season two when it just left like such a bad taste in my mouth yeah that's fair that's fair um, T. Um, so I also really 
was annoyed with Black Noir's treatment and that like that pulls it away from me giving what I would have liked to have given the season a 10 out of 10. Um, and the reason I really enjoyed this season in general outside of Noir is that it felt like it, it rather than just concentrating on Homelander as your main character, your, your main villain character and Butcher as your main hero, hero-ish character, they decided to put more focus on Annie, on Huey, on Kimiko, on Frenchie, on Emma. Like everyone, most everyone had, felt like they had a sort of arc except for Black Noir and arguably Maeve. Maeve somehow, for, for me, kind of felt like a bit of the damsel in distress, which was very strange. Like ever since they, ever since last season, since they outed her as quote unquote lesbian, even though she's not, um, they've kind of just like thrown her as the, the like Ho- Homelander's punching bag. And they started out making it seem like, oh, Maeve's going to be like actively against Homelander. They pretty much just like wrote her out of the show until the finale, which was a bit annoying for me. Um, and then Noir, it gave him some sort of like you know a narrative arc to be like oh he actually has history with soldier boy makes you think that wow this is going to be a really important part of the plot and then he was just cannon fodder really by the end of it that you're just supposed to feel bad at and i think sometimes the show does have like i said some of the comic isms where they just favor shock value over actually giving putting care into characters they just choose different characters so they don't so, they don't so much do it to like annie um annie, i think annie's written very well across all three seasons by the comics, Annie's kind of the, the the punching bag. Um, but in the show, I think Black Noir and Maeve t- took the hits the most. But I'll give it its its flowers because I really, really, really enjoyed Kimiko's story throughout the season, and I really enjoyed MM's story throughout the season. I think that like thankfully, like the the, the two characters that I've really liked since since both of them were introduced, and thankfully they've not just like they're like they're a part of the team. They're just gonna be there for emotional support, especially MM because MM very much. For me, he reminds me of the the black best friend trope in these a lot of these stories, where it's like I'm the, the, the there's the main hero, I'm his best buddy that's also good with guns and sometimes can help fight, but really and truly, I'm just there for them to unload their emotions onto and give them sagely advice. Like, like you know, that, that reminds me of like Diggle in Arrow. It reminds yeah. me of um, uh, is it Pete in Smallville? Like, it reminds me of like a lot of these the same sort of like stereotypical characters. But MM, it felt like he had his own story. He went against the the main sort of heroes and stuff um, because of his own moral judgment. I thought that was brilliant. And the Kimiko, Kimiko is a representation for me of like not going, you know, basically going against what Carfenis's whole ideal was. All superheroes are bad. Her actively deciding that she's not a monster and having her own autonomy. Loved it. Brilliant. Great writing. So to answer the question, eight. I'll give the season in general an eight. Um, and a ranking will be one through two. Is in highest lows. Okay. Interesting. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I really like this season because I feel like everybody had something to do for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I think it might be at the expense of Butcher. Did they did they cut down like because I feel like who had less part in this season than like in previous seasons? Maybe Butcher. Like they took away his screen time a little bit and gave it to other people. I feel like they did that more so. I mean, I, I kind of, but I think they they more so shared Butcher's story arc with Huey. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of what books, I think they were both supposed to represent the same sides, like the same, the two sides of the same coin, except Huey went one way and Butcher went another way. Yeah. In the whole, like, they both kind of went down the, the addiction story, sort of storyline. They both went down the, you know, I'm my brother's keeper sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they went, they both went down the, I need power to, to defeat the enemy. Huey ultimately deciding that, oh, actually, you know, I don't need to use powers. I, I need to trust the people around me and trust my own abilities and stuff like that. So we trusted Starlight by the end. Um, Butcher was like, yeah, 
no, I'm going to go <laughs> all the way down the deep end. So I think Butcher had uh, had the right. I think he had the right amount of screen time and the right amount of narrative, just split evenly with Huey to show a nice comparison between those, like with those two compared to Soldier Boy and Homelander, the other de facto father son relationship in the show. I like I liked the the parallel there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, this season of me, I think I was like an eight out of ten. I think so. I have yet to like. Maybe I would have to like rewatch season one, but season one was kind of like. I personally am not a huge fan of origin stories. So I feel like season one is really just building up to like what happens in season two and season three. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, I did like season two a lot. Um, so I think it might be two, three, one for me. And that's just my personal preference of like, eh, origin stories. Eh, it's okay. Like, great, great setup. Let's move on and kind of whatever. And Stormfront was a great villain. Um but uh, this one, I feel like everybody got got a chance to shine um, with everything. Even like, like everybody had like <clears throat> at least you know a couple major scenes where they could like act. Um, Victoria Newman, even wait Newman, yeah, Victoria mm. Newman, um, even had a like a couple scenes right, and Giancarlo Esposito um, with his. Uh, like he didn't have that much time, but like, great, he was there for a little bit, you know, too. Uh, but yeah, I'd say like eight out of ten. Zara, did you have something you were you wanted to say? No, I was oh, okay. just, I was agreeing. I think that like, I definitely, I really like. I do. I wanted to be clear. Like, I really did enjoy this season. I yeah. also just have a couple qualms. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what were your what were your other qualms? We can dig into it. Yeah. Um, another thing that I feel like there was a lot of people who were just kind of killed for no reason. Like, I feel like the way they did Stormfront's death, like off screen, just like randomly, it barely, like it felt unnecessary when they could have either just left her dead from season two or like, like it felt very random and out of place. Um, I also think that Another qualm I had was that this season I was the season I liked the dynamic between Huey and Starlight the least, yeah. which I think is definitely partially intentional. You're supposed to see that their relationship is kind of faltering, but I feel like this is a problem that also Eric Kripke had when he worked on Supernatural, where he gets so close to making a salient point and then just misses the mark because he did this thing with the two of them where Huey would do something that was very clearly supposed to be an indication of like toxic masculinity, his whole thing about like desperately like being like, I want to save her for once. Like you were supposed to watch that and be like, he is being toxic for doing that. And then Starlight would turn around and do the exact same thing back to him. And you were supposed to watch and be like, oh, girl boss, like I love her. She's like, and I think that like toxic behavior, yes, when he was doing it, it was kind of toxic masculinity, but it was still kind of toxic the way that she was doing it back to him because she was also kind of taking away his autonomy. And we're talking about a society in which different power dynamics exist because there is, because there are people with superpowers and people without superpowers. So when you want, like, I think that within a society like that, you would also have to talk about things kind of like what privilege comes with being a superhero and the way she treated, like, and the way she is treating him would probably like fall into that same, like, I don't know, like superhero toxicity. Like she is also taking away his autonomy and it is not, 
condemned when she does it. And I think mm. that just the way they, they could have done this exact same dynamic and framed it in a way where her doing that was a negative thing. And then they could have made that really salient point. And instead I feel like he just kind of missed the mark. That's fair. This is why I have you both on here. Giving me, <laughs> give me things to think about. I'll, I'll fit, end up finishing off this episode and be like, huh, I should do another episode to go over what I just learned. Um, <laughs> we can do an after show for this podcast episode. Um, yeah, I didn't think about it that way. This is definitely like they're throwing Annie and Huey through the ringer in this season. Um, I didn't like Huey in this season. I think it's a classic example of like the powers corrupting. And yeah. and although I expect it from Butcher, I thought Huey would be a little bit different, but he's not. T, were you going to say something? I mean, I, I I agree, like, that, you know, whilst watching it, I really wasn't enjoying Huey, for, basically for both of the reasons you were saying, like, the, the, the toxic masculinity stuff was tiresome, also felt quite on the nose as well. It was like, okay, this was sort of bound to happen eventually, especially once they introduced the idea of, oh, maybe we can get powers. Um, I don't know if I, I don't know if I liked the idea of, like, Huey, as soon as he realized that he could give himself powers, he just jumped at it, considering how much of an anti-powers guy he was after A-Train, after Robin and stuff like that. I thought that was very much just like, a, okay, they needed a reason for him to be in danger. So they just threw him in, into this into this mix. Where I, whereas, like, you know, the rest of the boys have very clear reasonings and strong moral reasonings as to not doing it. I don't know. It, I feel like something, it felt like something more, I guess, I would have seen Frenchie doing more so than Huey. But yeah, um, but what I did, I would say I... I would I liked about Huey in general was that by the end his decision makings by the finale felt like whatever arc they were putting him on felt relatively full circle. Uh, his stuff with Starlight, you know, less so the oh yeah I need to stop being a, a you know a toxic boyfriend, but more so I liked the idea that you know instead of him you know taking the the temp V and jumping in to save the day, he said oh I'm not even going to just leave her there. I'm going to support her and be like oh actually this is a good way to to. Not, not just leave her by herself, but help her in a way that's less, you know, ridiculous, less stupid. I'm not going to kill myself to help her, but I'm also going to trust that she has the power to do what she needs to do. I like that part, that side of it. And I also like the idea that while he said no to it, Butcher said yes to it. I liked just that, that parallel between them. Um, so I feel like even though Huey was written in an annoying way, I think it's because he was adopting so much from Butcher. He was learning so much from Butcher that he was going down the dark path, but that they... they made the split where Butcher went too far and he managed to pull away. I liked that that yeah. that, that change. And again, com- by comparison to the father-son dynamic of Homelander and um, and Soldier Boy, Homelander pretty much was a, the perfect copy of Soldier Boy in every single way to a point where even Soldier Boy was like, yeah, you suck. <laughs> like, you're the worst. <laughs> yeah. um, so that that almost is, is an example of like, if, if Huey went down the same path as Butcher did, Butcher would probably look at Huey and be like, you're, a, you're an idiot. You, you're a disappointment and stuff like that. But I think Butcher is he probably even has a level of respect for, for Huey for not going down the same path as him. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I want to bring this up because I don't want it to slip through my, my brain. Um, do we feel like Stormfront is dead? Because I don't feel like she's dead. I feel like if she's not dead, the big reveal is going to be that next season. I also, this is not my original idea. One of my friends texted it to me and then I saw it all over the internet. I feel like if they bring her, if they bring her back, it will be that she is Homelander's mother. 
mm. which would be a really messed up plot, but also kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm. Because as soon as the reveal happened that like Soldier Boy is his father, people were like, who else was around that time? She's naturally blonde. And if you mix their two powers, her, the powers kind of go together to make Homelander. And we know he has mommy issues. So it would be, it would be kind of go along with the way they do things where it's like she's his literal mommy and they just don't know. But I feel like that is the only capacity in which I could see her, them bringing her back. Otherwise, she like if, if that is not the plot they're going with, I feel like she is really just dead. <laughs> I know it's gross, but I saw that like people were talking about it online and like there's a lot of things that would kind of make it make sense. I mean, I would I wouldn't put it past I wouldn't put it past the boys. Like the boys would definitely yeah. do something like that. My my only like so I, I think she's just dead. And my only I, I I saw that theory kind of going around the line too. And my only sort of issue with it is that it a it would feel like they were kind of doing the same you know parent reveal that they've just done. They're like, haha, mm. I'm your father, I'm your mother. It would just kind of feel like they're just doubling down again. And B, I feel like. His is it uh, Oedipus complex? Like, Oedipus, yeah. Issues. He that feel, feels very much more of a a, a, a a more metaphorical thing that he's going through to make it him literally having like the, the exact you know sexual sexual attraction to his mother and that I think that would be a little too on the nose for the metaphor of his of his problem. Um, I think it works better as the he he has an issue with maternal figures and he has an issue with like you know domineering female characters and stuff like that. That's why he's not really gelled well with Maeve and with Starlight because they are domineering and they, they don't give him the love and support that he craves from women. Um, I feel like that it it works better as I think more as more of a subtlety as we said at the start, like the subtlety of season one. You know, like even though I've got that woman's name, the the old VP of uh, of War. Still, still, uh, still, well. still well. Still well. Mm. She wasn't. She wasn't his literal mom, but his he his Oedipus complex was very much like was like uh, transferred onto her, and I think that was more subtle. Like, okay, yeah, he sees her as a, mo a mother figure. He has money issues. If Stormfront comes in and is like, I'm actually your mom, it would be like, in case you missed it in the first season, he has mommy issues. So like, yeah, but like, they'd be shoving it down my throat <clears> too much. Yeah, I don't particularly like want it to happen because I agree it would be too on the nose. But also some with season three, there was a bunch of times where I was like, that was a little too on the nose. Yeah, to the point yeah. where I'm like, where I'm like, I don't want it to happen. Like, honestly, I'd prefer she just stayed dead at this point. Yeah. But that is the only path forward I could see them bringing her back without, without it feeling like they're like shoehorning her in. Specifically mm -hmm. because if they bring her back, they're starting this pattern where it's like, okay, every season they beat the big bad, but it's not, they're not really gone because like we also have Soldier Boy who we know is not dead. So I feel like yeah. if if they bring her back, then it's just kind of a point where everyone watching will be like, okay, so can anyone stay dead on this show? What's going on? Robin. Sonia Mara yeah. time. Sonia Mara time. She'll be back. Yeah. There'll be there'll be there'll be a soup and there'll inevitably be a soup with the power to bring someone back to life, and then we'll just be down the rabbit hole again. That would be. I mean, where can we go from here? I mean, I think that's uh, that's. Uh, somebody who could bring someone back from life, like back to life, that'd be crazy. Um, I only think that Stormfront's not dead because it's just weird that like she had one scene and that was literally giving a hand job to Homelander, and then she's killed off screen. And it was like that was it. What was the point? 
I don't know. It just seems like she's going to come back. Also, people brought up, and this is not something that I remembered, but somebody brought it up online. Soldier Boy and Liberty started Herogasm back decades ago. Liberty is Stormfront. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's weird, but okay. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think... I, I agree that it was very weird to have her in one scene, but it's also possible that like they could just be doing the whole fridging thing where it's like they gotta kill her to like it's so common, such a common trope to just kill off a woman for the sake of angst and character development for a man. Yeah. That like that like it's not too out of the out of the realm of possibility to believe that they did really kill her off like that, just to give him more angst and to push him further. Yeah, It's definitely, like, I could see a world in which they bring her back, but I just, I feel like if they do, it won't necessarily be for the better. I don't think that it will yeah. enrich the show if they do. Right, right. I, I, I also think, like, with, with, like, on that note of the whole, like, oh, you know, kill off the female character to, to further the male character, I also think they, I think they had that in mind, but I also think at the end of last season, they probably weren't sure if they wanted to do that yet. So they were like, we'll kind of kill her, but let's make her murmur some shit just in case we decide. Like, I think at that point they hadn't, they didn't know what they wanted to do with Stormfront post her incineration. So they were like, let's let's leave the window open just a crack. You know, (laughs) if if we decide you want to back and make have a a full arc next season, we'll do that. And then they got to like season three and they were like, nah, just kill her. We don't don't need her. We've got other stuff going on. We've got a a dad character now. We don't need a mother character and a dad character. It's too much. Get her out of here. Yeah. Um, Oh, it, it also could have been a, a more simple point of like maybe the actor just wasn't available for a full season so they were like oh well she needs to go <laughs> get this character out of here um now i have to look up what aya cash is up to uh <laughs> right now um let's talk about homelander and this season did uh where they're talking about like his points being low his you know him being linked to starlight keeps his points higher and then realizing that like oh people quote unquote like him for who he is which is such like a i mean it seems nice if it wasn't for homelander like the 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 lesson of like people like you the way you are why don't you just be yourself but i don't want homelander to be himself because he's a piece of shit (laughs) and like he realizes his points are going up within this very vocal base and we know who it is like i get it but um, uh, how do we feel about this whole, oh, and Homelander and Ryan, there's a lot that happened with Homelander this season. Um, mm-hmm. Zara's nodding. You, you got big, <laughs> you got big uh, points to make? Um, I know one thing that I thought was just super interesting. Again, I'm, I've, I've been watching season one again, so it was like fresh in my brain is that in the very, like the second episode of season one, Stillwell is having a conversation with him and she says like, gods are pure and perfect and above it all and they have to stay that way. Mm. And I think that it's like really interesting character progression to show how this season he's gotten so so away from that. Because like in season one, the ethos was like, yes, he has to be perfect because people will like, you're not a god, like you'll lose your god status. And then this whole season was him going, no, I won't. Like I'm a god whether people like me or fear me and then he also tells that gives that whole spiel to ryan saying essentially like accidents happen gods aren't gods aren't perfect we make mistakes but it doesn't matter if we make mistakes because like who's going to call us on it Mm. is like a very interesting character progression and i also thought that like 
his whole speech with Ryan was such like an interesting parallel to the scene where MM is talking to his daughter and giving the exact opposite message of like, no one is infallible. We need to hold people accountable. Everyone makes mistakes. That like that sort of thing. I think it was like such so well done looking at those speeches like side by side. What's what's uh the guy who's married to to MM's uh Todd Todd I fucking hate Todd. Todd. Everybody hates Todd. (laughs) Todd is the worst. Him getting punched is definitely one of the top moments of the season. Oh yeah. That was that was satisfying. But then him still like and ending the season with him just like seeing someone get incinerated and him just being like, woo! It, it, it's weird because I, I feel like in that final scene with Todd, uh, we don't need to spend too much time talking about Todd. Todd could be two hours. We could talk about people that we know <laughs> like Todd, like whatever. But Todd, when he saw the guy's head blown up in half, right? Just like whatever. There was a fear. Like I saw fear in his eye. I'm good on the actor, by the way. No mm. hate to the actor. Lo- much love to the actor. The character sucks. The actor did a great job making us hate the character. But like you could see the fear in his eyes looking at him and then almost like, I don't know, climaxing from a power fantasy. Is that, dare I say? Like, you know, you know, you know what you're saying about the actor? I just, it's a thought I've had in my mind for a while. It's really, it's, it's starting to annoy me because it's, it's, it's impressive. Don't you just find the actors that play like, like race, like racists that aren't trying to be racist are just really good. Like I can't, it's hard to like, for me, you know, sometimes you're like, oh, you get a separate character from the actor. I'm like, yeah, I always do. But sometimes it's like, I'll, I'll see like um, Wyatt Russell who's playing like John Walker in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And apparently he was like, yeah, he's getting abused online because of his character, da, 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 da. I'm like, really? I thought he was fucking bad. I hated, if, you, if you're an actor that can make me hate you that much to a degree, you know, like I'm like looking at your every facial expression, like shit, this guy's, very accurately playing this character. I'm like, ah, oh, should, should I like him, or, or or is he just that familiar with this type of person that he's a uh, he's he's not even <laughs> acting anymore? Um, sorry, that's just a, a random yeah. boy I had. Racist <laughs> actors that play racist characters are just really really good. It's, good, it's hard to shake it. Um, it. Is that similar to when you like when you like say something like, dare I say like a uh, not a gay joke, but a joke in which you're like being gay and then people are like you do that too well yeah and it's like what yeah those those types of people i i I always catch in like it's like it's like slavery movies and stuff where they just get hard (laughs) r'ing and the the way that they use the whip is just a little bit too like you enjoyed that too much the the director just said like gently swing your arm down and you're like like those guys i'm like all right you're having a little too much fun in this environment and you need to reel it back like guys like Todd and like John Walker and even Homelander, the way they play their, you know, racism, their homophobia, their misogyny, like all of their like negative tropes is done so well because they're act- the actors make the characters seem like you can understand why a certain type of person would like this person. Like they're not an unlikable fundamental person. Yeah. But, you know, they, they just, ex- they have all of the, <laughs> the, the nooks and crannies of your everyday racist. Uh, it reminds me of those TikTok videos where they'll show a scene from a movie and then they'll cut to the director being like, your line was like, hey, how's it going? Like, Yeah. And it's like, you yellow belly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, right. Oh, Jesus. Or the scene from Black Klansman 
where where Adam Driver's chasing after the car, like the car, but he's uh, yeah, undercover. And he runs out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like your line was get out of here dude yeah also the the people he was shouting at could not hear him as well so he's like i'm sure that was written in the script sir (laughs) i think it was anyway that's (laughs) we'll see that in the black klansman episode um (laughs) by the way not a great first date movie great movie not a great first date movie um no issue um uh Anyway, what was I saying? Yeah, Todd. No, yeah, sorry, I, I, I completely derailed. Just Todd. <laughs> Nobody likes Todd. Todd. But yeah, no, I, I agree. There was a, he, de- he definitely enjoyed it a little too much. Yeah. I think, yeah, there was a balance of like fear, but also like, what if that's me? Like, I, he, he's, he's just like me. If I had that power, I'd do the same thing. Living vicariously um, through these people, right? Yeah. Or there was, or you could probably interpret it as like him doubling down. I feel like, mm-hmm. he, was, like he saw it and he was like, well, I'm in the deep end now. If I run and scream, I lose. Like I, I, that right. I have to admit that I was wrong. So I'm gonna have to double down and be like, well, yeah. I mean, if I if I say no now, he might kill me. So he kind of just applauds anyway, just as like he's made his bed and now he's sleeping in it. Yeah, being on homeland is good side. I also feel like I mean, like that last scene was very much kind of as we've talked about. He's he's clearly Trump. Um, mm. there was that whole Trump quote where it's like I could shoot someone in broad daylight on Fifth Ave and not lose a single voter. And this this show is saying, yeah, Homelander's the same way, and he's actually going to follow through on that. How yeah. much scarier is it when this person is not just all talk? Yeah, not that like, um, and I think that like it's. It, I mean, I know people in my life who absolutely like Trump could have shot someone, and they'd be like, yeah, but it's fine. So it's yeah. like, like I I don't think that it's that 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 wild to say like Todd really sees that and is like finally some action I'm so happy to be a part of this movement as opposed to being like I'm scared therefore I'm gonna stick with it yeah 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 um when Homelander tells Annie no is it Maeve or Annie basically the black male material won't work because sure he wants people like him but if you do that then that's it I'll just yeah blow up a city that's or Annie. whatever that's Annie? Yeah, okay. Annie yeah I love that scene yeah that terrifying that terrifying. terrifying great scene uh great acting and it's like oh that is in his head he's like if I have nothing you don't want to see me when I have nothing to lose mm-hmm. so if you take away everything from me then great we'll see how that goes um oof oof um yeah, it comes to, it comes to the question of like um it's the whole like was it was it the Watchmen who who what who would who watches the Watchmen like yeah. we have like people that have ultimate power like who who can check them especially in in this storyline where they're basically like they managed to shout out like Stan Edgar who was kind of the the person that kept the gods in check uh with him sort of out of the picture like the actual the boys team kind of losing their sort of grip on it they've lost their their sort of trump card which was the the plane footage and stuff like that outside of that it's like once you give this guy like. Once he has nothing to lose, that's it. Like, unless you can find something a bigger gun, like I guess Soldier Boy was intended to be, you, there's no stopping him. <laughs> like, that's it. Yeah, I mean, that's what this this season was, right? It's like power vacuums. Yeah, it's it's Victoria Newman versus like trying to figure out like what she gonna do, how she gonna keep power. Then they take down Stan Edgar. Stan Edgar is that what his name is? Mm. Okay. Uh, and then, and then Homelander fills that role. Do they, does he need Annie? Does he not need Annie? Turns out when he's true to himself, he doesn't need Annie. 
Um, uh, a lot of a lot of different power moves. Maeve gets taken off the table, um, and that sort of thing. And then they'd have to bring in Soldier Boy to um, kind of even the playing field. Um, let's talk Soldier Boy, because um, people uh, have mixed feelings about Soldier Boy, and I feel like he's pretty easily a specific type of character. Um, I can I can see the joy in Zara's eyes to talk about Jensen Ackles. So I'm gonna make <laughs> I feel like I have seen so many Soldier Boy apologists online being like, "Well, he's less bad than Homelander," and I'm like, "You are falling for it." Like this man, at least in in my opinion, he is worse than Homelander. Homelander's done some bad stuff, but like, it's the throwaway lines about Soldier Boy that show just how evil he is. Like, there's just like a throwaway line where they're like, "Yeah, well, he did target practice at Kent State." And he held fire hoses at Birmingham. Like you're supposed to, like I, Jensen Ackles does an incredible job at when he's in those scenes where he's like, but I'm really not a bad guy. Like you want to believe him. Whereas I feel like whenever Homelander has had those scenes where it's like, but I'm not a bad guy. Like he plays it in a way where it's like you as the audience are clearly not supposed to even consider it for a moment. Whereas the way Jensen Ackles played it was I think very brilliant where he was like, so convincing to the point where it's clear that like soldier boy doesn't think he's a bad person soldier boy thinks that i mean and that comes back to the fact that he is obviously like wildly racist among other like among many other character flaws like he he doesn't think that it was it was a bad thing that he did those terrible things because he thinks that those are good so he doesn't for a second like he's not he genuinely believes that he is a good guy and that everything he has done has been justified including his like revenge mission um, yeah. And but I think that again, it gets back to the media literacy problem where it's like just because he is doing a fantastic job at convincing you that like deep in his heart he's a good guy does not mean you should be believing him. Yeah. I, I, it's it's they make it so clear time and time again that like maybe the reason it was like an enemy of my enemy is my friend situation, but the problem is what do you do when this new enemy is even worse than the original? Yeah. And I think that that's going to be something they're going to have to grapple with down the line because we know Soldier Boy is coming back because otherwise they wouldn't just kill them off. Mm. Can we, can they kill Soldier Boy? I can't, I can't tell how strong he is. I know that like, sure, his explosions won't blow him up, but like a bullet to the head doesn't kill him. Would it just bounce off of his head? The the, the way they define like both he and Homeland is like, scale of power is a little a little confusing because some like sometimes I'm like nothing can pierce Homelander even if you're super strong. Um but if you get a sharp object in the year that'll do it. That'll <laughs> that'll do something. Um you know what I mean I and the same with like Soldier Boy I thought was like I don't know it's it's hard especially when you're comparing it to the character that they're supposed to be parodying. Like in my mind he Soldier Boy was supposed to be a parody of Captain America but clearly he's got like Superman level strength because he's going like you know blow for blow with like Butcher and, and Homelander. Yeah, so it's hard to tell where they're like. Do they have the the iron skin that Superman has? Do they have the a healing factor like Wolverine? Like it's hard. It's hard to kind of gauge, I guess, how strong each person is. But I feel like bullets. I don't think bullets is going to do too much to to to, to Soldier um, Boy. Soldier Boy at all. Nah. Yeah. Just because I feel like if 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 that were the case, then I think um MM probably would have just taken his shot. But he has, he had to actively go out of his way to like get the gas and stuff like that. Because he, he watched the footage, didn't he, of like all the things that people tried to do to him. Yeah. And it was like the only thing that stopped him was the gas. So I think the implication is that he's pretty much bulletproof. Yeah. Um, 
what Zara was saying, like, I definitely agree. And I think that there's a point of bringing, like, if Soldier Boy was less attractive than Jensen, Jensen Ackles, we wouldn't be buying it. And yeah. that, that, like, is also shame on us. Because that's the way we're wired. But also... But- but then I think Zara, like Zara hit the nail on the head. Like it's, it's the media literacy side of it. Like yeah. we can watch it and we, we're like, okay, Jen, like I'm watching it very much aware that Jensen Ackles is doing an incredible performance. I'm not blindsided by that for one thing that like I, after 15 seasons of Supernatural, like I've been <laughs> racking my head against the wall being like, why doesn't everyone know that he's like a phenomenal actor? Like I'm, I've known Jensen's been incredible since Smallville, let alone Supernatural. Like I've, that, not, none of that surprised me in the slightest. Um, but beyond his performance, like I, I, I can tell like, you, you catch all the little lines that he says and the little lines other people say about him. Where you're like, he's a terrible person. He's, I mean, for as much as they they sort of sideline Black Noir, Black Noir's flashback of what happened or what Soldier Boy did to him, like being that abusive because he went for an audition for Beverly Hills Cop was like, <laughs> you could tell how bad of a person he is, and especially when the confrontation between him and Homelander comes up, where it's like, yeah, I'm you, but. Your pathetic. He he just pretty much disowned his own son and was ready to kill his grandson. Like he's very clearly the worst version of Homelander. He's like the Homelander extreme. Just that he, yeah, he does believe that everything he's doing is is justified and is right. But Jensen Ackles is really convincing that it, that it is. You're like, oh, actually, maybe the way this guy's performing it, maybe he's right. Especially when they do things like I was, I wanted to have a kid, I wanted to have a family, that, that sort of stuff to try and butter you up. Um, when in actual fact, now if you know how to read these kind of shows, I think it's it's very apparent. It does make me worried that that season four now is going to be like, I guess we're going to have to be even more obvious, and we're going to just going to turn Vought into the Nazis something like that. I kind of know, right? Because I feel like uh, again with the media literacy thing, like people say, like sometimes people you know will say about these sort of things, like they're being too preachy. Like I like things when they're subtle, but then people don't pick up on things when they're subtle, and it's mm-hmm. like then that's the problem here is that like what do you you're you're not literate enough to be reading between the lines and then when they come out and say it that you're like why did they come out and say it they shouldn't have even should have like you know um i don't think homelander and soldier boy are on like they're, they're both evil in different ways and i don't think like one is more evil than the other it's just mm-hmm. how they are operating in society right they fill roles mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, uh, I think it also ties in with, with how, if we like the, the idea that like Nazis are the absolute evil and anything better than the Nazis is passable, you know, at least this person didn't do this. If you like the way Jensen Ackles looks, that makes things easier. Then you're like, yeah, yeah, but like he killed them because like it had to be justified, right? Like like payback betrayed him and that's how i was in the beginning when i saw crimson fox crimson Crimson countess Countess, uh Mm. when when i saw her like tied to the chair and like she's gonna get executed i'm like well we don't we don't because we didn't know the full story back then i was like okay like she betrayed him he kills her when he comes back understandable but then you get these flashbacks where like he's just abusing his team but then you think at least he didn't like sexually assault someone like Homelander uh, does or did or whatever. But like, 
They're both fucking horrible things. These are all horrible things. And of course his team wants to like, like get him out of the picture. It's all grays and horrible fucking things. Yeah, I mean, once once the reveals happen, then you can very much clearly tell. But like, you know, I, I keep going back to him and Black Noir. But like, that was very much a I'm white, you're black kind of a situation. There was, it was very there was there wasn't any other way to kind of yeah. interpret that scene in my mind. I was like, okay, you're very much yeah. just like, know your place, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and Black Noir's like interpretation of which animals they were. He literally made himself the black sheep character. Like mm. that that scene felt very on the nose kind of thing. It's like, hey, you're you're the you're, you're here. He's, he's, he, Black Noir was the A train of the team. Like you're here to fill that quota. You're, you're here for my points or whatever it was. Um, that's it. Like that, you know, nothing more, nothing less. Well, he was um, forced to wear the mask, right? Didn't they say you have to sure. wear the mask? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's even worse. Even <laughs> yeah. just like you're, you're, you're there as the miscellaneous character. The minute you yeah. reveal, especially well, in in the sense that like he wanted to go for the actual Holy role, right? Like, he wanted to be the Ed, the new Eddie Murphy or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, and he was like, yeah, no, you 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 don't do that. You can't do that. Sorry, because mm-hmm. uh, that would mean that you'd be a celebrity and, and you, you know, your black face would be shown to everyone, stuff like that. Yeah. Him being a terrible person in, in, in flashbacks and that contextualize a lot of what why the team betrayed him and stuff like that. Outside of the whole, you know, they wanted to replace him with a Homelander clone or whatever. But I don't know. I think I for me, everything about him was 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 on the surface. I think it was very easy to read. Yeah. Yeah. Again, media literacy. Right. Yeah. Was that uh, how he said about Bill? He, he was like Bill Cosby. That guy knew how to party. Like well, red flags, red flags yeah. all the way, all the way. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, Paul Reiser. This is is this the first time we're seeing Paul Reiser's character? The the what? Um, um, he's the one who's just like, oh, I had a threesome with blah blah blah. Look her up. Like, you know what I'm talking about? What's his name? Uh, the guy that Homeland or uh, Soldier Boy goes to see. Oh, the like the Stan Lee guy. Um, is he a Stan like, Lee like, guy? In, in so the oh, what's his, uh, the character's name is it, uh, the Legends. Yes. Yeah. See, in in the comics, his character is basically like a Stan Lee. He's like a, he's a comic book owner, like comic shop owner. Oh yeah, like, that's right. Yeah, the person that like kind of came up with the idea of Warp, like way back when, and stuff like that. Like he was supposed to be like the if these guys are all the Marvel heroes, he's the Stan Lee that kind of like has all the control and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and set up they the, even gave him the stuff. Yeah, and they gave him like the Stanley glasses and the Stanley stash and stuff like that. Well, he didn't have um, a stash. No, in the show. And then I think in the comics, he, he got the Stanley stash in me. Oh, the yeah, I'm it, seeing it. Never... Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Also, the <laughs> art in the comics. I hate the art. <laughs> I didn't like the art either. Yeah. Um, yeah, that character. Um, do you guys have a favorite character this season? Did we talk about this? Uh, for me, it's M.M. Oh, oh, and, oh, no, okay, wait, hold on. <laughs> I liked a lot of characters <laughs> this season, actually. I was going to say, wait, no, Annie, wait, no, Kimiko. I liked, I liked all three of their, those characters because all three of their arcs are really good. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to say Annie because I think I've, I've liked Annie from beginning to end. So I feel like Annie, in my mind, is like not the perfect character um, because she, I like that she kind of represents the whole, like, and, even absolute power doesn't have to corrupt absolutely. I like that she's the, the anti-Omander. Um, so I've always had a soft spot. But Kimiko's arc this season of being like, I'm a monster, like this is what they made me to be, so I don't want to be it anymore. She loses it, discovers that, oh, actually, this, it's just, it's choices, it's human choices. I don't have to do what Butcher says. I can have my own autonomy. I can have powers and still be a good person and use my abilities for, uh, 
the way that they should be used. I don't have to run away from these things. Like, I liked her gaining her own autonomy, like, considering how much, she, you know, how, how she was treated the previous season. Yeah. And then MM just being very much, like, he maintained his morals from beginning to end. I, despite, like, everything that's happening with his family, um, the Todd of it all, like, everything happened in front of his daughter and stuff like that. Like, I liked that he stayed true to his character. Like, those two... Maybe I'm just a sucker. I like the good guys. I like all the good guys. <laughs> I, yeah. I also, Kimiko is definitely my favorite of this season I also like I think it's so challenging to take a character who doesn't talk and make them so dynamic so likable yeah. so like so real um and it's, it's something they failed to do that with noir like you they have two yeah. silent characters one and that's something that also just made me so mad about how they dealt with noir because this whole time all three seasons I was sitting there like they have taken one silent character and made her into a real person. When are they going to use those skills they clearly have and use them to make this second silent character a person? And then they just kind of never did. Like they never put mm-hmm. in the effort to do that. Um, I think that like it's it's incredibly challenging to do what they did with her character within the parameters of the fact that she never talks. And I truly like, I'm also a sucker for the good guys. Like I truly, um, I loved seeing her progress throughout like throughout all three seasons of like, she had no autonomy in her younger life and then finally getting to the end of this season and hitting the t- like peak of this arc where she's like, for the first time in my life, it is my choice what I am doing and I am choosing to take on this power and this responsibility because I want to use it for good and because I want to protect those I love and like just getting to see the empowerment that came with that. Like I truly, I, I love her. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting nuance that some people might not understand is like, well, what's the point? Like, what's the point if you get your powers taken? You don't want your powers, your powers get taken away, blah, blah, blah. And then having it back, people will see it as she just changed her mind. But they pretty clearly state, like, it's about your yeah. choice and choosing yeah. to have that, you know? Yeah, because the fact that she was, you know, she was, I don't remember what that, that, that sort of route that she was, was called, but she was the monster for them. And then when she joined the boys... Butcher only saw her as a tool as well. So she was kind of their monster for season two. And then got to the season three, she was kind of questioning, like, well, I don't want to be like the, the loaded gun of the team, like the only powers on the team and stuff like that. And obviously it, it, it helped a lot that, you know, everyone on the team was kind of seeing Butcher was not the perfect guy. He was, his decisions were actually worth flawed. So her kind of going through that, like, the idea of like, I want my powers gone. And then realizing that, oh, no, wait, now I've got my powers. Like, Frenchie nearly died. Like, a lot of trouble happened because I couldn't protect everybody. Um, and she, and she, what she did in that, where was that, that warehouse with, um, I forget the woman's name. Uh, yeah, I've got the lady's name. But when they, when they were kidnapped, that whole, like, scene where she kind of just goes crazy, she realizes that, oh, actually, I, I might be a monster one, one way or the other. The difference is, I have a choice now. Like when I not get, but when I don't have a choice, I do bad things. But I have a choice to get my powers back. I know what I want to do. I love that she she gains self control. Yeah, I also think it's interesting to see she's one of the only characters left who is like hurt every time she kills someone. Like who like takes a moment to pause because like I remember season one. There's that conversation that Huey has with I believe Frenchie about like how you never forget your first kill, and then it kind of seems like he forgot translucent and like moved on and is almost like too, they've all gotten so comfortable with killing, which is like this whole show is about moral gray areas and when it is and is not okay to be a murderer and like that sort of thing. And I think that she 
of all of the boys, she seems to be the only one who is still conflicted about the idea of killing people and like seems actively like really upset every time that she does it or every time like she makes someone's life worse. Like she feels so bad when like killing someone in front of those two kids at the uh, in front of the roller coaster and like feels bad in the scene where like all of the like prostitutes or whatever they were like are all so scared of her like I think that she moving forward might be like a huge moral compass for the team as the only person who seems to like even pause before killing people and it's like it is so easy once you get to the point of like your butcher where it's like I will kill anyone I need to to get to where I need to be it is so easy for all of them to follow suit and then become fully the bad guys themselves. So I think that like, it is refreshing to have her there being like, hey, we need to make sure we're not the monsters. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I forgot about that scene. That's the scene where Crimson Countess blows up the mascot, right? Yeah. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> that was gross. <laughs> there are some gross moments in this, uh, in this show. Um uh comic hero north coast uh brought up uh i think they did the ant-man and thanos meme um in the first episode oh it was so gross with termite i zara i find it funny you (laughs) you watch it with your dad yeah i originally didn't but his my aunt his sister is obsessed with it and me and my aunt keep talking about it in front of him and he was like i think that i should watch it too i think i'll really like and he he loves it so far but i also i was like there's some scenes i think i don't want to be around you while you watch them <laughs> yeah i ugh, uh yeah that one in particular i think i'll make him watch that episode on his own <laughs> oh he hasn't I was, watched I was, it. I, was, I was about to say no, we're, so with my dad we're still on season one. Oh, okay right okay <laughs> it, yeah, ramp, maybe, yeah, it ramps up right six. so yeah oh, i yeah. guess like it just yeah, always was... <laughs> like one-ups itself season after season after season i was conflicted about watching it with him but i was like i know i'm gonna he's gonna watch it eventually yeah i was count i was num- my days were numbered before i had to eventually watch it with him yeah, it's cool that your dad likes it, though. Like, mm-hmm. you know, um, I really want... So, like, just a side note. Like, I watched Birds of Prey with my mom. Like, I watched for, I've watched it a couple of times. I watched it two times in theaters because I really like it. Um, and then I saw... Uh, and then it was during pandemic where I was like, it's on HBO Max. I'm going to watch it with my mom because I think my mom would like it. And my mom did like it. And then now I'm like, well, I want her to watch The Suicide Squad. But then... I, I had to ask her, I was like, are you okay with like violence? And she's like, a little bit. And I'm like, okay, yeah, never mind. I can't yeah, watch that, the Suicide Squad with her. That's that's exactly <laughs> why I, I can't watch most like things like The Boys and stuff like that. Like my mom does watch like sort of, you know, quote unquote mature shows and stuff. Um, but like she's also quite squeamish when it comes to that, like gore and violence and stuff like that. Like she'll watch a horror movie, but the minute the gore happens, like the head's just turned away. Yeah. Just like change, change the channel or whatever it was. So I feel like the boys would be like, yeah. "That's too, be too much of that." Like we wouldn't get through an episode like covering her eyes the entire time. What's my family's worse? big on horror movies. Oh, really? Uh, my family's big on horror movies. It's like ninety-eight percent of what we watch in this household. Um, so it, he loves the gore. We always laugh uh, at right. it. It's like the moments where you're supposed to scream or like cover your eyes in horror movies. We're always cackling. So yeah, 
The gore right. isn't my, the problem. Right, my mom loves the horror movies for the, the fact that like, she likes to be scared. Like, the, we, yeah, my family, we'll watch horror movies together and stuff. Um, like, if I go to, like, visit them, we'd all watch it together. But at the same time, we'd, like, if, if we know a movie, like, before we go into it, we'll kind of, like, look to see how, like, grotesque and violent it is. And me and my siblings were, like, we're fine with it or whatever. Um, but if it's my mom, she'd be like, like, let me know when the gross stuff happens so I can turn <laughs> away. But I still want to watch it. So tell me what happened. Like, describe it to me. My my mom will do a thing where, where uh, like, we'll watch something and I'm like, oh, I think they're going to, like, cut somebody. And it's, like, building up to it. She'll, like, I'll, I'll be like, I'll tell you when it's over. I feel like I've over, I've overcome my parents in two things. One is scary stuff. And I, I don't do scary, but I do scary better than them. But when mm. I was a kid, they'd always, like, be like, oh, you're going to have nightmares, that sort of thing. And, like, whatever. Uh, and then second is spicy food. I've overcome my parents in spicy food. So I'm like, oh, okay. I'm growing up, you know? Um, I don't know what's what's worse though, gore that gets built up or like slowly or gore that just happens. Because in this show, we literally have people's heads just exploding randomly. That's just what happens. So I have many feelings about this actually, um, because it applies to other shows. Um, But... I don't, I'm not a fan of when shows and movies, like if it's a movie or if it's like a, a comedy, I'm not a fan of them just using gore and grotesqueness and even like obscenity just for shock value. I think sometimes it's just, it's unnecessary. I had a little bit of an issue with that in Invincible actually. Um, I kind of got used to it as the show went on, but like you'd be seeing him like in a regular fight, but every punch you'd be like blood squirting everywhere and arms falling off and stuff like that and i'm like all yeah. right he's a guy with super strength i don't need like i get it he, he punches them and it hurts i didn't need the visual of it because sometimes for me i find it distracting i'm like okay, well, I, like it, there's a lot there's, there's a lot going on all at once and in the boys if it's a case of like oh homeland is going down and it's fighting regular people with guns of course i'm expecting them to get sliced into bits and pieces and stuff but like if it's like i don't know mm versus god number seven i don't need to see him like bludgeon him with his fist and see blood like eyeballs flying out so mm. that, I don't like I think sometimes the boys has a habit of like going too far for shock value because they're kind of they're almost known for being quite a grotesque show so they lean into it um but I some to me that kind of it, it's off-putting they're kind of it's them kind of trying to distract you from what maybe it's just kind of a boring scene to like oh we'll just do this to keep them entertained yeah I definitely like agree. I think that that sometimes they, I I love the gore. Like I think it's funny most of the time, even though you're definitely not supposed to think it's funny. But I also do think that they sometimes overdo it to hide the fact that like a scene is going on too long and it's like potentially just better editing could have made it so you didn't have to do this. I would love to know how much of their budget goes to fake blood. That stuff's Mm. expensive. I, I did theater in college we did carry at one point oh. you have to dump a bunch oh, of fake blood like that stuff's expensive um it, it's a it, it's a big part of their budget i'm sure is it practical yeah. effects you think the blood is practical i think some of it but not all yeah. of it i think the, the, it I mean, the scenes the where scene. someone explodes i imagine that it's vfx in the moment yes. and then the result is all practical mm. yeah but okay. it definitely depends like some season some scenes you can tell that the blood is like very clearly fake blood Whereas yeah. other times it is definitely all after effects. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the scene in, is it Columbia? Where, where are, like, where's that? The war uh, scene. The flashbacks? Uh, yeah, Nicaragua, the flashbacks. I think it was. Nicaragua. Um, 
oh, I just felt so bad. Like their own people like started dying. And like, is it still well? No, no, that's from who's the who's the old the older lady that's working with Butcher? Oh, the, um, is it Ma- Mallory? Mallory. Yes, Mallory. Yeah. So Mallory's younger. And she's like, that's our guys. And Payback doesn't know combat like at all. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, and then we get, you know, a shot of Black Noir with his face just messed up and like all that sort of thing. Um, I was on edge throughout that whole yeah. thing. I, I do a thing, though, with this show, and it's really bad. And I don't recommend it to people if you want to be a purist about it. But I pause it. And sometimes I'll like fast forward and look at thumbnails and be like, oh, this is where this is where somebody explodes. OK, and then I'll just go back <laughs> and I'll watch it. I did that with Walking Dead. This is just my way of coping with things. I'm, I'm I get yeah. scared. <laughs> I will say that that scene in Nicaragua, eh, that that's where I, I don't mind seeing the, the obscenity and stuff, because the implication that it's, it's war, it's that, that kind of like your spirit. What you're seeing is what the characters are feeling like. It's just destruction death blood gore like you're seeing it through mallory's eyes the, the trauma that's going on on screen is mm-hmm. what mallory's seeing and feeling so that made a lot of sense now it was like okay with me i mean i as much as like the you know the episode one thanos ant-man scene was like memorable i feel like they were just like we need a good way to open this show a mem- like a you know just in case people don't like episode one we need people talking about it to get them to watch episode two like really and truly it was just a scene of them fighting an ant-man character did I need to see the how creative that scene was going to be beforehand? I don't know. It, you know, it was it was a funny scene. I find it funny, but like it's an example of like that. That was just to make people go to make me shocked. I guess mm-hmm. it, the fun- didn't, serve, didn't didn't feel like a southern narrative purpose. No, yeah, the funny scene to me is the scene after that where he's small and Frenchie's like he's trying to get in my ass. Yeah, that was funny. That's funny to me. The yeah. explosion him, 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 part, him, no. Yeah, and then him being like knocked out because he like he like falls into the cocaine. I thought. Oh like yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought he was just gonna die. I was like, oh, because that's yeah, that's yeah, a room, a, a room's worth of like if if my <laughs> old room was filled, like that's the bag, right? Oh. Yeah, you could have easily OD'd. But yeah. That, that, that was, I found that, you know, those little parts of it were charming and stuff. A, a different way to kind of show the how would you fight Ant-Man concept. Um, Just get a bag yeah. of cocaine. I mean, like, in the context of the boys, it's hilarious. Like, oh, this guy's like smoking, he's, you know, snoring cocaine the entire time. Yeah. What if he just got shoved in it? Um, like, what would the reaction be if you were tiny and had that level of drugs all around you? Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Um, and then he dies later at the yeah. uh, at, at hero gasm. At hero gasm, yeah. Um, somebody said online that like Homelander has super hearing. He just he heard Termite ask for help, and then he just squashed him. Yeah, yeah. that was definitely intentional. Yeah. Um, the two characters that that definitely have their own plots d- during this whole thing that we have yet to touch on. A train is one. And then the deep is the other. But let's talk A Train. Yes. Um, A Train, Blue Hawk, A Train's brother. I have mixed feelings on how they did A Train this season. Part, part of me feels, I mean, I don't know. I, they, they, 
what they did with him was intentional, but I feel like a little bit exploitative at the same time um, of the whole, oh, how do we write a black character, a, a black hero character in this, this realistic world? Well, it has to be something to do with racism. Um, let's just get a Black Lives Matter allegory. And it, it, it comes back to the whole idea of things in season one were souls, things in season three were like on the nose. Like him just the, the Blue Hawk yelling, Soup's Lives Matter, and him, you know, paralyzing someone during a protest and stuff like that. All of it was very, I don't know, is, is it not a narrative I wanted them to like just force upon A Train as just the token Black character of the team? Um, so I found that quite jarring. Anytime a scene came to A Train, I was just like rolling my eyes, waiting for it to end most of the time. I did like the scene of him dragging Blue Hawk through the ground. That was just visually, I thought it was a really cool scene to, to see. Um, and, and I just, throughout the show, I, I like how creative they're being with traditional powers. Like, what if the Flash did this? And what if, I, I like looking at that sort of stuff. That sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, no, A-Train, a lot of his like, I'm, a, I'm, I wanna, I'm trying to be a better black hero thing just feel, felt very forced. And like, I mean, a lot of the black community can attest, <laughs> we know people that are like that, where it's like, oh, I know. I'm going to, you know, pretend and put on a facade of like, I'm the, uh, a, a Black guy that cares about the Black community, so I'm going to do all of these things that seem, you know, performative and stuff like that. But when it comes to the real issues, you make mistake after mistake. And I don't know, it, it, it hit a little too close to home for me. And I'm, I'm tired of, you know, Black characters having to be forced into the racism plot every single time. So that, that got exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. I like, I, I agree. I think they were trying really hard to make like a point about the commodification of identity and how like so many people and like so much art now, people are trying to like be like, you should care about this art because the artist is X, Y, and Z identity, like marginalized identity. Mm-hmm. And that like that is kind of like something that is happening in the real world. But I just feel like it, I, I agree. I think that like it was like shoehorned in. I feel like it, it felt out of place and it felt not like satire is supposed to be productive and I feel like the way they went about it was not at all productive um but I do think that like I, one point that I think was interesting is that this is a show by and large part about revenge almost every character is driven by revenge in some way and yeah. now a train is like the only character we have seen successfully get revenge so mm-hmm. far everyone else has failed um, and I thought that it was really like interesting the fact that they did the revenge plot for A Train instead of having him have his moment where he's like, yeah, like I killed him, we win. Instead, immediately it's like his brother's like, I never want to see you again because this was like a horrible thing to do and this was not helpful. It was not productive. Like, like get out of my life. I think that like that was very interesting because when you have a show that is all just revenge fa- fantasy after revenge fantasy the audience often wants to see that revenge fulfilled and we don't necessarily think about the day after the revenge is over where that leaves you. So I do think it was like, I do think like within his plot that I agree was kind of like not great this season. I think that that was like a a shining moment that he did get to have where we got to see how revenge actually plays out in this universe and how it's not always a good thing. Uh, I like the way it ended as far as like the dragging and the the I, I never thought to myself for some reason I never thought to myself yeah his brother would say I don't want a murderer around my daughter like I feel like that was like a clear concise point I don't want you around you're a murderer I don't want a murderer near my daughter not that yeah. you would murder my daughter but you are a murderer 
he doesn't even know about everything else but like that's the one murder that like he does know about i don't want you near that i thought that this the the blue hawk and and um and a train stuff could have been written better because you're uh like the soup's lives matter thing was like very on the point i wish that a train and blue hawk had a conversation or even a fight i want maybe yeah. i wanted to see blue hawk throw a punch at a train before yeah. he drags him well i will say i i did i don't know they, they, this is an element of a train i think maybe they should have leaned on more that they kind of went on the other direction with when huey confronted a train because it's still continuing the whole vengeance storyline huey very much was like i want my revenge now uh, and yeah, he had the chance to like really throw hands of Atrian, and yeah, you know, um, Annie pulled him back. But Atrian's response, like taking a deep breath and just saying, "I'm sorry, I'm really fucking sorry," I liked that element of it because it was like he's he's now on the other side of it, very aware that you know his 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 actions had consequences, and now he's trying to like rediscover who he is. That felt like a doorway to a redemption arc for him, and then they kind of twisted it and was like. Now let's just keep doubling down. He he kills Blue Hawk. He, now he's got Blue Hawk's heart inside of him. Now all any anything surrounding racism in the show is going to be ultimately funneled through A Train. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's a, it's a thing in media in general. I can kind of I've reached fatigue about just uh, if it's a, a show about realism and re- being realistic about stuff, then the black characters are going to have to have the the short end of the stick every single time. Um, not to say that I wanted a redemption on Faye Train anyway, but that felt like a very interesting moment of a weird switch of like now, you know, Huey wants the revenge and A Train's like, I I want forgiveness. Yeah. But then they kind of they, they sort of just left it and kind of just went down the now the black community hates me. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I've got mi- I have mixed feelings. I really think yeah. Jesse, is it Jesse Usher, I think is his name? I think yeah. he gave a really good performance. Um, like really, really good performance. But I think just fundamentally as a, as a choice for the character, I, just, I wasn't a fan of the journey. Yeah. Uh, A-Train is not redeemable for me because he only cares about any... He doesn't care about the community. He doesn't care about right or wrong until like it affects his brother. And it's not like yeah. it affects his brother and that changes the whole mindset. Now he's different. It's just that he just cares about it in response to his brother. And he'll just go back to being A-Train. Um, a train ratted out supersonic. Yeah. Right. He ratted yeah. out. He could have just kept it to himself. It wasn't that he was afraid for his life that Homelander would know that he confided him. He could have just kept it to himself, even if he didn't want to be part of the plot. But he actively told Homelander to gain points with Homelander. Whether that, he deserves. Oh, sorry, you can go. Oh, no, I was, I was going to say that. That I feel like. Him rang rang out supersonic. I think was a direct response to that the scene where I thought was like brilliant, which was when he muttered like "fuck you" under his breath, and then Homelander from like the other side of the room was like, "What did you say?" I thought that put the, I think that put the fear of God into him, and he was like, "Well, <laughs> I'm not doing anything against Homelander for the rest of the season." Yeah, um, I think that that was the that was like a cause and effect thing. It was like I cannot even pretend to lie to this guy. I'm going to get screwed over. I think it definitely comes full circle when he finds out what happens to the Black Noir. Um, Black Noir held a secret and he kind of suffered the consequences. I'm not saying that was a, the best narrative decision, but as far as Adrian's response to all of it, yeah. I think he kind of, he's try, he's starting to kind of worry that he's blurring the lines between him and the deep because they are both basically just like doing what they need to do for their own survival. 
Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, but oh, I was just going to say, whether he deserves a redemption arc or not, I do feel like the way they wrote this season is gonna, is lending itself to the idea that he might, I feel like he's going to get a redemption arc next season. Whether it's fully redeem or it just becomes an enemy of my enemy is my friend situation, I don't know. But I do feel like they've left him in a position where he has nothing to lose because all he cared about was his own fame and his brother. And now he's lost his brother. So like he really and he and Homelander is constantly like belittling him and like threatening to kick him off the team for like being fat. Like it's it's I feel like it might be lending itself towards the idea that like there's only so much he can lose. And we've taught like Homelander's thing is like when I have nothing to lose, I'm scary. I feel like when A trains is like I have nothing to lose, maybe for once I'll actually be a good person is how I kind of see it going. And I feel like next season there might be kind of a team up of him trying to help take down Homelander. I think it'd be really poetic if he first of all, I think as, as far as anyone taking out Homelander now that like sort of soldier boy is sort of kind of hey, he's still around, but he's sort of off the table. Yeah. Maeve's off the table. It turns out with like powerhouses to challenge him, Butcher's not really gonna have powers anymore. Maeve's gone, Soldier Boy's in the wind, Stormfront's gone. I think the next one that if giving his full power back now that he has Blue Hawk's heart and stuff like that. I think you maximize a character with his abilities, he could put some hands on Homelander. Like, there's always been that case that that, that argument between, like, who would actually win in a fight, fight the Flash or Superman, because you utilize super speed well enough. I feel like there's a, there's, I, I can see a scene where, where you know, Adrian finally gets uh, some payback on Homelander for all of the times that he's been screwed over to be like, okay, yeah, you're fat, you're slow, you're this, you're that. Home, uh, Adrian at maximum power and at maximum speed. That I felt that as much as I, I don't like Adrian, it would be satisfying to see him kind of get that full circle moment. I'm calling it that Adrian is going to die in a fight with Homelander with heat vision versus his super speed. He's going to run into the heat vision. Oof. That's I'd like, if, if he does die, I'd like to see it'd be kind of weird and again poetic. I think I'd like to see his final act be to save Huey's life or to do something in relation to Huey. Because that seemed to be the catalyst of the entire mm-hmm. show, really. Right? It was what happened to Robin. And like I said, I really enjoyed his sort of his deep breath moment where it, it felt like he genuinely was sorry for what happened. And there was a level of that, that, that also is why I do think he will get a redemption arc. As much as I don't want him to, like him kind of feeling regret for his decisions, maybe for like, okay, I don't like it, but I can see where we're going with this. Maybe he'll do like an 11th hour thing and be like, all right, Huey's the, you know, as far as the show goes, his original sin. So it's like he, him trying to protect Huey and kind of showing Huey the light, all right, just because people have done horrible things doesn't mean that every decision they make is going to be horrible. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, if not Huey, if not Huey, I could also see him potentially saving Starlight to then do the, the complete parallel of, yeah. well, well, I killed one of your girlfriends, but I saved the other one. Mm. But I do agree. I could definitely, like, I really think that he might get a redemption moment next season that will ultimately end with him dying to save someone else. Yeah. Because A-Train, by the way, doesn't love anyone. He doesn't like any, like, he has no friends. He has nobody except his brother. Like, Pop Claw, like, he ends up killing, right, in season one. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that's his girlfriend that he, like, he he makes her OD on, on V, right? Is that what happens? And so uh, he doesn't have anyone. He's willing to kill his, his girlfriend. Uh, he doesn't have anyone. He just has his brother. And even then, he doesn't treat his brother nicely at all like he's alone in everything that he does and so 
Yeah, this might be the beginning of the end for him. Um, the deep was nasty. The deep was just... <laughs> the, the, deep. <laughs> the deep was just... Na- yeah. The, uh, uh, so many things. You know what's so funny about the deep? I have no way of interpreting. I, like Zara, you might have to take this one because I, I have no way of interpreting his character or what the where his character is going, other than him being just a weird piece of satire on the show. Not a bad one. Like he's there. I'm like his gross scenes make me laugh every time, and he is kind of just an insufferable kiss ass. But other than that, like what you know, every other character there's a level of you can see their art, you can see what the character is supposed to represent. I have no idea what the deep's supposed to even be on this show other than just a very weird guy. In season three, <laughs> right? Because season one and two, like, he's the uh, aggressor and then he gets aggressed against, right? Like... Yeah, 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 yeah. That was this kind of... It's obviously it's him trying to regain his, um, his, his sort of recognition back and be like, yeah. I deserve to be here kind of a thing. But I don't know. The minute every time he and his, like, his weird wife... Come, comes on screen I'm just like okay what's, what's that? Well, I'm, I, I can't get a grasp of what what they're trying to tell me here with this character yeah I completely agree I feel like if anything at this point he's like a comic relief but even yeah. then the jokes are kind of getting old because it's like the same joke every time it's just that he <laughs> like like 98% of the jokes about him are about how he's attracted to all of the fish and yeah. like there's only so many times I'm gonna laugh at that before I'm like, okay, I get it. I don't, I don't need to see this anymore. I don't understand where I understood his like role in season one, but at this point he feels like an unnecessary character and like a character who every episode I kept on kind of being like, I feel like they're gonna kill him off because he's he he serves no purpose. He's mm-hmm. not even like a a villain you love to hate. Like I just I'm always like, why is he on my screen? <laughs> um, yeah. I I don't I don't understand his point and every other character whether I like them or not I get why they're there yeah he just feels like a waste of screen time most of the time and I feel like they have to get rid of him because what else can they do with his character I agree I mean I guess I don't know what they I get, you know they kind of set a, a sort of trail of like him killing the uh who was it that the, the other front runner for president whether his that guy's yeah. name was the, drowning the, the, him in the pool yeah, I guess making him do that sets him up to be important to the plot of the next season. But even then, like anyone could have assassinated that guy. I don't know. Like it just, everything about him just feels like he, yeah, he's just, he's just a weird Aquaman joke at this point. And even then, like DC seems to be happy making that joke in a much more subtle way. Like in um, in Peacemaker, there was just the whole like he fucks bitch, huh? Right. <laughs> one one off joke, you know, set up at the start, pays off at the end, done. This one is just every episode he's just having sex with a different fish, and I'm just like, all right. What was I, I, more I disturbing? Tell. What was more disturbing? Fucking an octopus or eating an octopus? Because the eating, because he I literally, think... he's like, he's praying. He has kids. He's begging for his life. He is praying right now. I was like, that's yeah. a lot. Yeah. And, and for for him, who, like, for, for the deep who is, I don't know what his actual dietary choice is, but he is essentially a vegetarian in the sense where he wouldn't eat fish and stuff like that, just to see him have to like shove it down himself and like the the ink, the, the oil was coming out and stuff was, that was a lot. Him fucking fish just felt part of the course. I was like, yeah, of course he fucks him. At fish. least it's consensual. Yeah. And it just, it was very in character. No one's forcing him to do it. No one's forcing the, the octopus to do it. It was like, he's in a romantic relationship with this thing. I can't, just, 
It's just the deep being the deep. You know? It was funny that he got out of the hero gasm explosion with like, he put him in water, right? Yeah, yeah, to save him. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's a, it's a weird parallel to the first season where like he couldn't say it was a, was a dolphin and the his dolphin. truck that died. On, yeah, just, just watch, it, watch it die because of the crash. <laughs> this time it was like, not this time. I'm saving you, buddy. Yeah. I guess thinking about his role in, in, in this show, the only reason I can think of them kind of keeping him around is the fact that like his power is stupid. Without Homelander, like all, all of the other people in the seven, without Homelander still have power and like could do things. Whereas like he talks to fish, like he really, he, I think he is the only character who when push comes to shove will never leave Homelander's side. Like he is Homelander's ride or die. Not even because he likes Homelander, but because without Homelander, like A-Train, still the fastest man alive. Without Homelander, the Deep is literally just a guy who talks to fish. Yeah. So I think that potentially the reason they're keeping him around might be the sort of thing where it's like, if next season is watching the slow demise of Homelander as those around him defect, he might be the one person who sticks around and still is enabling him. It's my only possible thought process as to why they are keeping him around at this point. Yeah. Well, now, now his wife left him and it wrote a book, a sequel to his book, In Too Deep 2, In Too Deep? Was that what it was? Too, yeah, In Too Deep. So. Where it's just like, uh, uh, you know, uh, talking about all the secrets and whatever. Um, it, it's like in season two, though, when he was catching up to the boat, right? With the sperm whale. And then mm. he puts the sperm whale, they crash into the sperm whale. Like he's yeah. useless. Even if his his powers could be powerful if used right, he will never use them right. So yeah. he's just useless. But well, I mean, that was a it, it was kind of a thing with um the original team of the seven. They weren't really intended to be a team of seven powerhouses. They're a team of seven celebrities. Yeah, they all served a certain purpose, and I guess his purpose probably was the we're an eco friendly uh, team, and he. He was kind of just a symbol of like, we, I want to take care of the ocean as well as everything else. So it was probably ticking, ticking a certain amount of boxes. Yeah. Um, whereas like Maeve, Maeve and Homelander were the, were some, the de facto powerhouses. We needed to speed stuff for like sports and athletics and competitions as well as him being, the Atrium being a black character. Yeah. Everyone served a different purpose rather than just being like combatants. Whereas now, I think Homelander's less concerned about which boxes everyone takes and kind of just like listen if you can't fight for me i don't know what you're doing here yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, be, I'll, I'll be curious to see where where the deep goes now that his wife isn't there because his wife does seem to be his where, where he's kind of homelander's enabler his wife was kind of his and his wife was being like just do what you need to do to get to the top like she was kind of telling give putting him in the positions to be in homelander's corner so without her i'm curious to see what where he's gonna go without that direction yeah yeah um really quick as we wrap things up how did we feel about the finale and how things kind of finished off i know a lot of people were like i saw a lot of takes online of people being like it was anticlimactic that like pretty much no no one big dies and like mave survived but i will say that like i did really appreciate the choice to just like give mave a happy ending i know in an interview eric kripke specifically like addressed this and he was like yeah like a lot of people are kind of like upset with me for doing this but he was like 
but I have seen all of the criticisms online of the bury your gays trope and I for once like want to let a queer character have a happy ending so I really like that was one thing about the finale I really I think that it's very easy to be like the finale is anticlimactic because no one really important died other than like noir and that wasn't in like the final scene like it was earlier in the episode but I I think that like if it came down to like killing no one or killing Maeve like I am glad that like they didn't kill her off. Yeah. Yeah. I wish uh, they killed Soldier Boy. I, I knew they weren't going to because Eric Kripke loves Jensen Ackles too much. Yeah. He he really wanted Jensen on this show and he wanted him back for a second season. But I do think that it would have probably been more compelling if they had killed him off. It would have been super cool is if the explosion killed Soldier Boy, but Maeve was still alive. I kind of wanted, I don't know if I wanted it. I kind of had the idea that like Homelander might die in this seat at the end of the season, just because I feel like there's only, I was, even now I'm a little bit worried. I thought there was only so much they could do with Homelander being the the white supremacist or the Donald Trump allegory. So I was like, okay, cool. He's in the, he's in the seven. No one can touch him. You know, Stan Edgar was there still. Well was there. Um, Stormfront was there, but once he got rid of all of those people and he was just like a tyrant, it was like, all right, well, I don't know how much more interesting you can make his character anymore. Like, I, I don't know where else they could take him. So I thought, okay, them killing him at this point, give, you know, give me, give me the evil Superman, give the evil Superman thing a break and give me a different type of villain. I thought would, would have been interesting if he died and then Soldier Boy kind of became the new big bad going forward. Yeah. I was, that's what I was, I was hoping to happen. I think Jensen Ackles definitely would be a great villain throughout like a big bad villain throughout the show um but alas i but that, i will say that i agree i'm happy that they saved me against also so that they don't have they didn't do the whole burial gaze thing as as many shows always do and many movies always do um but also because i think this show and a lot of other shows like it the ones that do the whole what if the justice league were real trope that like every other project does nowadays um they tend to be really bleak you know, things like the you know, injustice storylines and even if kind of to a degree invincible, someone has to die at the end. These dark, these dark stories always just end with like, oh, who's going to die next? And what's the next character to have a really tragic, horrible thing happen to them? To show that a character in this universe can have a happy ending, just with that, it sat well with me. I was like, okay, thank God. Like, mm-hmm. good for me. Good, like, beyond them, you know, just being a queer character that, that survived, but just <laughs> for, for a character to actually end in a good place i thought the same thing about kimiko as well so i think yeah kimiko she's she's happy like her having the end fight scene like playing the music and just like accepting who she is like that it's nice that the bleak show actually does allow for happy things to happen it isn't just being bleak for the sake of being bleak yeah i mean you have so many characters with such that differing personalities and goals and objectives it's nice that you see that the ones that have good objectives achieve their objectives and not just Homelander being successfully evil every single time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm glad that everybody lived for the next season. Uh, like Ashley, uh, Homelander's <laughs> assistant, like a great character. And uh, uh, the actress, I think Colby Minifee does a great job with her. Um, Cause I mm-hmm. hate her, but also like, I like her. I don't know what I want for her. I don't know whether <laughs> I I don't know what was her either, but I agree. Colby Minifee is excellent. Like her acting, she's probably one of the top acting performances on the show, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. That yeah. whole that um remove your wig moment in the finale, 
that was like she didn't even say anything just her face alone I felt every part of my soul break I was like oh Ashley oh no that was just a, it was a, it was what like he just came back from killing Black Noir and he's just gonna humiliate everybody yeah A-Train a- and Ashley because that's what the Seth the seven is down to the four and one of them's yeah. not even a super powered person yeah. and one of them's the deep <laughs> But this was it's interesting now because the homelanders the, the seven weren't was was never homelanders team it was edgar's team or it was the, it was vort's team yeah whereas now it's ho- now that homelander slash ashley are vort like it's just them now as the de facto or not even really ashley just homelander being the guy really and truly he knows he doesn't need a team so they're just there for for display purposes only they do not serve him in any way like adrian does not benefit homelander in any way the deep doesn't really benefit him in any way they are just there as a public face. They're like, yeah, look at us. We have a team where the celebrities were so cool. Yeah. Um, but really and truly, yeah, the, 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 the real, that, that was the real version of the, the seven there. It was just Homelander and these three people that are absolute jokes that are just there to just further his objective. Yeah. Uh, what did he, did he humiliate A-Train? I forget what he said with, to, in that scene. Did he say something or do something or ask for I mean, something? He, he, he called him out something in and around like him what he did to, to blue hawk i remember what mm. he said but it was about something about him like killing uh, going after blue hawk despite being told not to yeah and then the deep yes to kill the the other guy in yeah. the pool yeah and then ashley humiliates her um what do we feel is going to happen for season four and then also there's the gen v spinoff that's coming out which deals with is it essentially high? I mean, it's not high school. It's college, college age athletics, but as superheroes, is that kind of the vibe I'm getting? It's like I don't know much about that. The spinoff, mm. so I don't know. Okay. I mean, I, all, all I've seen is that 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 video of all of them being like Gen V is coming. Um, I just, I yeah, my understanding is just it's a, a, a university set piece. I guess it's probably like a like Vault University or something. I don't know. And, and they're just following like, the, like superheroes. Is I'm it actually Vault University? Like, I, I I imagine so. If it's Gen V, right? Like I feel like if that the the tagline. I feel like I imagine it's like an official school of superpowered kids. I yeah. guess, Or superpowered uh, young adults. Yeah. Um. And then it makes sense. I think they cast like two people from like the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. So I think they definitely know what audience they're after. They're like, yeah. let's get all of the CW isms in there. <laughs> I'm scared. Uh, mostly because there's a lot of things I don't like in the comics, but a, a, there, there is um, like a teenage kind of uh, 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 thing in the comics where it's super gross. There's just a bunch of, it's just super gross. There's a lot of things they do in the comics that are super gross with this teenage team that's supposed to be like the X-Men, I think. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah, the yeah. X Men stuff and like whatever and like uh, the the G the G Men the G Men, yeah. Um, and like there's a lot of gross things they do with that, and so I'm uh scared for Gen V. But, but we'll I mean the, the act the actors are good. Like I like yeah. I've not really watched the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. I've kind of like seen it in passing, just out of curiosity. Yeah. Um, and the uh, Chance Podomo on it, I I I understand it's like. To be a really good actor, mm. um, and I can't remember the other actor's name. The, the blonde girl, I've seen her in other stuff as well. Mm. Like I, I'm confident they'll give good performances and yeah. stuff like that. And I, 
And I don't know if Eric Kripke is also going to be show running that, but if he is, then I've got confidence they will be like a, it's still a relatively good show. Yeah. I imagine just the objective is just to target the somewhat, ever so slightly younger your audience, probably the same sort of audience that likes things like Supernatural, um, you know, when, when it first drops, like that sort of, yeah, the, the CW, I don't know. Yeah, that's the only way I can describe it, but like, you know, but good. <laughs> um, I don't know whether Kripke, Kripke is an executive producer on it, but Craig Rosenberg might be the showrunner. Okay. Yeah, Craig Rosenberg Maybe. is doing it with Kripke, Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg, and a bunch of other people. Right. I, it, it could be good. I, I, it's, it's an interesting concept. I don't know that the boys needed a spinoff like that. Um, I just feel like the boys is a nice tight knit show that I think will eventually just have its conclusion in like season four or five, and then I'll be that. Mm. I don't know. I feel like the spinning spinning off just kind of feels like a little bit of a cash grab. Try to get a younger audience and keep the thing going so that they can keep Amazon keep churning out that subscription. Because yeah, between that and Invincible, I feel like Amazon Prime Video's main flagship shows now. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh I don't know whether it's going to be for a younger audience as opposed to being in parodying a younger audience. I think there's still going to be as much mm. violence sex drugs and rock and roll right like yeah for sure but like in the sense that like by young girls i mean compare the boys to say euphoria which still has an adult audience but mm. in the in the context more of a you know a younger sort of vibe yeah because um, you know the, i say the cw i'm saying it in the sense of like how supernatural was it was still adult it's following a bunch of adults and stuff yeah and the themes are still you know they weren't childish per se but it was the kind of stuff that like you know it'll, it'll have more of a teen angst i feel yeah than the boys does. I'm scared. I'm just, yeah, I'm scared. Uh, I think I was thinking about athletics because the working title was called The Boys Presents Varsity. And then it was announced that the title would be changed, would be officially titled Gen V. So I don't know how they'll do it, but I think it'll be good. I just, mm. I don't know. I'll it's give all- it a try. Yeah. If you're like, if it's terrible, I'll probably still watch it. I like bad TV. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Uh, how many seasons do we think the boys is going to go for? Uh, T was saying five. You think five seasons? I think five. I mean, maybe that's, I'm being optimistic. I don't think I'm at a point in my television watching career um, that I don't think most shows should go past five seasons. I think five is the perfect amount, if not less. Yeah. Unless you're you know, a sitcom and, you know, your idea is just really shelling out entertaining television go as long as you want it. I mean don't jump the shot don't do like the Big Bang Theory and just be bad but if you're gonna go for long from the get-go um, <laughs> yeah yeah like like say for example like like New Girl for example was a sitcom like went about seven seasons I could have gone for another couple of seasons of New yeah. Girl I, I love I, New Girl I could have got, that could have kept going that, that maintained its quality so that could have kept going but like yeah. gen- in general like you know how long how, well, Breaking Bad was what five seasons before you know the spin-offs and all that sort of stuff um uh stranger things is ending in five seasons yeah i think that i my philosophy of a lot of tv shows and movies and franchises is that everything needs an end and if there's if there's no ending or if there's no good ending then it kind of sometimes does destroy the show yeah or destroy the project because it means that everything you set up at the beginning has no has no conclusion and has no payoff it just you're just churning mm-hmm. out for the sake of churning it out um yeah. I think Supernatural nearly had that problem because season five was just such a beautiful beginning. I mean, one to five was a beautiful beginning, middle end. And elements of six to 15 felt like they were kind of going that way. I think they fucked the landings. So I was okay with it. But it, as you're watching, you're just like, right, okay, I could, 
this could yeah. end at any point now. <laughs> yeah. I completely, I, I think that it'll be five seasons too. I think, because also, I mean, Eric Kripke left Supernatural after five seasons. I think that like exactly. one thing that he is very good at with shows is knowing knowing when to end. The reason Supernatural yeah. didn't end after season five was not that Kripke didn't want it to end. It's that it was the CW's biggest cash cow. So they like yeah. offered a ton of money to keep it going. And Kripke said, well, I had my perfect ending. I'm going to leave, like quit while I'm ahead. And yeah. again, I love Supernatural. I'm glad that it went on for better or for worse. Like, but I do think that the boys, like, I think that Kripke will actually say, like, let's end at five. And I think that he will find a way to wrap it up very well. And the, uh, the question is going to be, does Amazon go along with it? Or does Amazon offer everyone else involved a ton of money to keep it going? And that is something I'm not sure about. But I feel like Kripke, at least, will leave. If it doesn't end when he wants it to end, I think he will leave when he wants it to end. Yeah. And then who knows the quality that will go after that. I think it'll end well, at five. But I think Gen V will go on. Yeah, that's, yeah. This, maybe, maybe that's why Amazon commissioned Gen V in the first place, because they probably knew that the boys, especially like, I, I like shows, if, even if they have multiple seasons, where the, the writers have the ending in mind from the get-go. That's why I do appreciate uh, Stranger Things. It's not my favorite show, but I appreciate that, that they knew where they were going each season they were like maybe we don't know the, they don't know the fine details but they know where each character is going to be by the end so that the story feels neat mm. i think Kripke did that really well supernatural they knew where dean sam and like Cass and the rest of them were going to be by season five and how that story was going to conclude one way or the other mm-hmm. um and yeah i think most i think that's the best part of most shows like i, I get sad when they end because i'm like i wanted more but at the same time, I'm like, that was a good ending. And I, I, I wouldn't change a goddamn thing. Uh, there's plenty of shows I think like that. I think, um, what would have been ending? Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I think, had a brilliant ending. As much as I wanted 10 more seasons of that show, I wouldn't trade that ending for the world. I could yeah. have my eyes mm-hmm. out. Uh, also, the actors are are gonna go on to more things. I want to see, mm. I think I want to see every one of these actors go on to be, like, to do stuff. Like, I mean, people are already being like oh aaron moriarty as sue storm could it happen um like people you know what i mean like yeah they have a career past this show for sure for sure uh jack quaid especially jack yeah jack quaid is is the the baby boy that people want to be like yeah you know put in everything uh i would say dominique mcgelliot i gotta do a tiktok on this because somebody was asking about it but like who would i cast as sue storm i think that mave uh, the actress who plays Maeve, I think she's a natural blonde. Uh, not mm. that it matters, you do whatever you want to your hair, but um, I could see her as a Sue Storm. Anyway, um, that's neither here nor there. Uh, <laughs> I think Gen V could definitely continue and then finish this off uh, in five seasons. Um, but uh, does anyone have any final thoughts about like where they think this show is going, especially next season? I think next season they actually have to take Homelander out of commission. There's only so many seasons you can do this whole, we're going to get take down the big, big bad and the big bad wins before people are like, okay, he's invincible. We get it. We've lost hope. Yeah. But I also don't think they're going to kill him. I think they're going to do what he would consider worse, which is find a way to get rid of his powers. I would love we it. Know it's po- we know it is possible to take away superheroes' powers because like uh, Soldier Boy's explosion got rid of Kimiko's powers. Um, and- he thinks I think that like both he and Butcher view themselves kind of as gods. Butcher wouldn't say so, but he thinks he's above the law. He thinks that everyone else dies after five doses of the temp V, but like he's stronger. He can survive it. They both think they're gods. And I think that like 
a very salient way to end both of their arcs potentially could be they find a way to get rid of uh, of Homelander's power. And they Homelander had that whole speech at the beginning of this season where he with Butcher where he's, where he's like, we're going to go scorched earth. We're going to have like at the end of the day, it's going to be the two of us and we're going to have the battle of the century. And when the dust settles, only one of us will be alive. I feel like they might take these two like godlike figures and have them have the most pathetic fight the world has ever seen. They are both because he like he is uh, if you leave Homelander without his powers and Butcher is weak because he of the temp V he's dying. I think that like they both see themselves as gods and like really humble them by having them fight and have it be so inconsequential because they're both nothing without that level of power could be a very fun way to leave it off. And I think that it would also be a better ending for Homelander than just killing him. Because, I mean, we talk about, like, he's a white supremacist. He's also, like, a superhero supremacist. He thinks all superheroes are, like, gods and everyone else is expendable. So putting him in a position where he no- he has no power is, for him, worse than death. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 <laughs> I wouldn't change a single part of that. <laughs> where I, I, that's exactly what I want to happen. If anything, I, I did kind of have that in mind to happen, like, at the, in the finale of this season. I was like, well, maybe his powers would go away and then it'd be interesting to see how much of a villain he can be without powers in the following season. I was kind of, like, I thought that could go down, like, season four, he kind of has to follow Victoria Newman's kind of path of, you know, slow and steady wins the race rather than just being a a tyrant. Um, But regardless, I do agree that I think there's only so much you could do with Homelander. Um, And I was kind of getting, even this season, I was kind of getting bored with, the minute they were like, I'm just going to be a tyrant. I love Anthony Starr, but eventually I was just like, okay, it feels hopeless now. You every season has been we're gonna try and go Homelander and then we don't we're gonna try and then we don't like they, they keep getting almost and then not doing it. But I agree him either him losing his powers or him dying or him losing the 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 day in the most pathetic way possible would be the most poetic way to finish his story. Um, completely like strip him of everything that he ever like had. Strip him of like have everyone turn against him. Have his own followers turn against him will be interesting. Um, but one way or the other, get him out of here. I'm, 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 I'm kind of homelanded out, but I'm, I'm also evil Superman out as well. I cannot stand yeah. the, the, the trope anymore. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you there. Uh, I like what you guys are saying. I'm gonna agree. I like that. Uh, I like that that ending for Homelander. Okay. I'm trying to figure out where Ryan plays a part, but that's. Oh yeah, about him. but I don't even like him. To be honest, I don't like him either. <laughs> he made the finale. I was like, oh, for God's sake. Goddamn job. You ruined everything. Like. Uh, yeah, I'm not a fan. I used to feel sorry for him, but now he's going down the long path, and I'm like, I don't know. I could uh, also maybe see them having him kill both Butcher and Homelander as his two father figures. Mm. That's not the ending I particularly want for either of them, but I could kind of see that happening because they're both abusive jerks yeah. to him. And have yeah. him be like, you know what? I don't need any abusive parents. Yeah. It's a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like if, he, if kind of the, the, the tables kind of flip and Huey kind of takes the responsibility over Ryan. Um, because where Huey was kind of the baby boy of the, the last three seasons, it'd be interesting if Huey kind of takes on a father figure role for Ryan to try and like, con- to try and convince Ryan to do the right thing. And so I don't, you know, Ryan's still a kid. I feel like he's not above uh he's not beyond redemption necessarily you know homeland is kind of grooming him but i feel like it's not too late for huey to kind of be like hey there's a better way to do this yeah kind of thing. That would be interesting. yeah 
Uh, I think there's a lot that can happen, and uh, I'm excited to see what happens. I'm also scared and <laughs> and and nervous. Uh, boys always does that to me. Um, so we will see. I want to thank both of you for coming on the show and taking time out of your night or your day, depending on where in the world you are. Um, but uh, you guys have been awesome, and you guys always, whether it's your TikToks or or coming on this show. Uh, you guys always uh, uh, have great analysis, and that's why I was like, "This show's gonna, uh, this episode's going to be good." Uh, so thank you so much for that. Um, and let's see, uh, T, where can we find you on social media? Like, uh, what do you got coming up? Anything you want to plug? Uh, you can find me at Theories by T across most of the social medias: YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. Which yeah, the usual suspects. Okay. Um, as far as coming up slash just happened, um, I hosted an episode of MTV Movies for the first time, first ever hosting presenting gig, which is pretty fun, and that's yeah. on YouTube currently. Um, MTV Movies uh, for Love and Thunder special, talking basically kind of reviewing the movie, interviewing the cast. It's pretty cool. Um, uh, I can't. That's where you're riffing there. with Taika, right? Yeah, so I, I interviewed him separately in like a whole like separate video for mm. my channel. Um, and then for MTV Movies, uh, my co-host interviewed Tessa and uh, Natalie as well. Uh, so we kind of got everyone but Chris, basically. <laughs> um, that was fun. That was the, yeah, that was that was a fun day. Yeah. Um, and and, the, and a good little good little episode. I, I if I do say so myself. So I can recommend checking checking those things out. I need to I need to check them out. Um, super super jealous, but uh, uh, no one deserves it more than you. So. Uh, thank you. <laughs> uh, uh, thank you, uh, uh, T, so much for your time. Thank you for having me, dude. Fun yeah, time. no problem. And Zara, where can we find you? What do you got coming up? Anything you want to plug? I am only on TikTok as Zara Zahava. I do not exist anywhere else on the internet. <laughs> um, and that's how I'd like it to stay. Um, I don't have anything specific coming up. I post videos daily about really whatever I want. What, what you're going to get from me depends on the day. Um, but check me out there. That's all I got. Your TikToks are wild. Like, <laughs> I I, uh, 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 I have a friend who follows you and then she made a joke about minion feet in response <laughs> to you. And I'm like, I don't understand what this means, <laughs> but I've seen enough of your videos. And then I'm like, oh yes, minion feet. Oh man. Immediately <laughs> looking at minion feet as we speak. Um, fascinating. Zara, um, t- tell me about tagged- the moon. Tell me about the moon, Zara, the moon. because people I, people brought it up. They were like, are you going to bring up the moon? I got to bring up. I think that we should nuke the moon. Um, <laughs> I have been saying that for six years now, because in high school, this girl I didn't like, I overheard a conversation where she was like, I think that the United States should not nuke the moon. And I sat there and I went, yeah, that makes sense. And then she followed that conversation by saying, because nuking the moon would be incredibly sexist. That broke something in my brain. Uh, because it's such a bad argument. There's a million reasons not to nuke the moon that are not, that it would be sexist. Um, so then I made it my mission ever since then to convince everyone we should nuke the moon using equally good logic as she did, if not better. Um, so it has been my thing for for five or six years now is that I have always said that we should nuke the moon. And the funny thing is she follows me on TikTok and does not know these are about her because this was like such an inconsequential moment in her life. She does not remember having this conversation, but it is a moment I will never forget. <laughs> I am honestly so fascinated at the, the <laughs> plus, like 
<laughs> this is where it, where it started is already like okay yeah so what if we nuke the moon then nuking the moon being sexist just brings up so many other questions like like i'm trying to think of a metaphor here but i can't is the moon a woman i is I, th- I think that was her reasoning is that in a lot of cultures the moon portrays like a feminine energy but that's a right. bad argument because there is just as many cultures where the moon is like the masculine energy. Masculine. So yeah. if anything, it is very like Western centric to be like the moon is a woman, therefore we can't nuke it because there's so many cultures outside of the West where it's it's not the moon is not a woman. Maybe yeah, we just shouldn't gender are, celestial bodies. Yeah. <laughs> there are, there are yeah, male gods, moon gods in different cultures. That's fascinating. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> I, feel I like it, thought this was a scientific thing of like, maybe we shouldn't leave the moon because then the world would end. Yes. Probably. <laughs> I mean, we see it in Umbrella Academy season one. So yeah. uh, we know how that turned out. People always ask me if I watch that show and the answer is no, because I know that it says that nuking the moon would be bad and I refuse to watch that propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> That's propaganda. That's a false <laughs> narrative. Absolutely can't happen. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> it has the same energy as as all cats are are women and um and all all dogs are men <laughs> they, they made that joke on um <laughs> on a community and it was like Donald like Troy Donald Glover's character is just like hey think about it have you ever seen a cat penis <laughs> that that broke my brain I was like well, no, to me, I've not, and I've, in fairness, I've had three cats in my life, and all of them have been women, so maybe he's onto something, I don't know. Yeah. Um, thank you guys so much for, for, for doing this. Um, for anyone out there who was watching the live stream, you're watching us on volume.com slash The Keeg Show, or twitch.tv slash The Keeg Show, or youtube.com slash The Keeg Show. Everything slash The Keeg Show. Our social media is at The Keeg Show, so... TikTok and Instagram are two biggest ones. Uh, that's at the Keeg Show, but we're also on Facebook and Twitter. If that's you know uh, your jam, which is two totally different jams, Facebook versus Twitter. I feel like, but then there was a crossover. Anyway, whatever. Neither here nor there. At the Keeg Show slash the Keeg Show. That's where you can find us. You can also find our podcast wherever you get your podcast from. So Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Maybe some other apps. Uh, who knows? Those are the five that I can count. Um, definitely go follow T, follow Zara. Um, if, if I guess if they weren't convincing enough and you only listen to me, go follow them. Um, but thank you both of you for uh, for coming on the show, taking time out of your night. Um, it's been awesome talking about the boys with y'all. Uh, yeah, that's it. Once again, I'm your host, Dimitri Pereira, and this has been the Key Talks, the boys season three. Take care, everybody. Bye. Geek.